Forget whatever you've seen in the movies. They don't turn to bats. Crosses don't work. Garlic. You want to try garlic? You could stand there with garlic around your neck and one of these buggers will bend you fucking over and take a walk up your strata chocolata while he's sucking the blood out of your neck, all right? And they don't sleep in coffins lined in taffeta. You want to kill one? You drive a wooden stake right into his fucking heart. Podcast turns him into crispy critters. It, it had to be that. It you did, live. but also, God, it's so hard to do a James Woods impression. I gave up one word in. You could live. Eh, I'd kill for a good eh, word. Eh. Or be undead for 600 years. But I would say you truly haven't lived until you've heard James Woods say Strata Chocolata. Strata Chocolata. I had to cut a couple uh, lines out from the beginning of that monologue. For the best. Yes. Um, this man, this character, Jack Crow, does not like homosexuals and he lets it be known all the time in fact he almost seems to find them to be more demonic than <laughs> vampires you could say that it's one of his two personality traits well i mean wears leather and hates gay people yeah he, he, he's afraid you know he deals terrified. with vampires more probably terrified he sort of knows what he's dealing with right there. i, I yeah. was thinking though because initially in my my notes i wrote down gay panic question mark at the first line and immediately had to Scratch out the question mark, but it then veers so <laughs> right. far beyond. And then scratch out panic for fear. <laughs> but it's, it was so far beyond gay panic, <laughs> right. where it's just outright homophobia. I was going to say, it's like vampire hunters. It doesn't feel like he's panicking. It's like, no, I very confidently know I don't like these people. I don't respect the way they choose to live their lives and who they love. He's most upset because Vlad the Impaler, whatever the fucking vampire's name is, it's, Jan Valak. 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 Vlad the Impaler. Whatever. This is embarrassing. Is, Get out of is, here. like re- vaguely resembles a uh, gay stereotype. Like that's really, yeah, I think, horrible. What, what keeps him up at night. The most triggering thing. Look, he reminds him of his two least favorite things in the world. The creatures that killed his mother and some guys he had to walk past on a street outside a bar one time and he never got over it. Yeah, which, you know, when James Woods found out that he was in this movie five years later, he was completely unconcerned about it. He was like, yeah, no, I was just being much yourself. Yeah. James Woods. James Woods. Yeah. Cool guy that we're <laughs> going to talk about on this podcast. I think this is only the second time we've gone into the woods on this podcast. What was, what's, what are the other? What's Hercules. The other? Hercules. Hercules. Which is also, easier to talk also a around. a good performance, though. Great performance. I mean, David, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you have said... That he's unfortunately one of your favorite actors. I've always on mic before. I have always. I've, I'm trying to remember when he. Regrettably, became, yes. he is one of your favorite. When actors. when I feel like when, like when was it that he became? Was it Trump or was it like a little before Trump when he kind of was like became just sort of publicly evil? Yeah, well, I like I feel like before then it was sort of like James Woods. That guy's kind of an asshole, but like I know, remember right, seeing you know. White House Down, sure, and which is sort of like, like his last major right. movie, and also right. feeling like oh, I haven't seen him on screen in like four or five years, and at that point it was kind of funny that he was cast in that way because you're like you already know that James Woods is this weird, angry, reactionary guy. I think it all got heightened even more past that point. The Trump shit got worse. I think Twitter is really what. Twitter. Oh, sure. Yeah. Just I mean, Twitter. Twitter. some the, of these guys just should never have gotten Twitter. Again. He never should he, have he was the only person whose uh, true, you know, inner cynicism came out uh, right. thanks to the help of social media. I have a theory that it was after the Virgin Suicides, in which he plays the most mild mannered, incredible, still oppressive, yeah. an incredible yeah. person, but that he put 
I mean, I, I don't think that the, the dad in that character is necessarily a great man or a great father, but he did put like whatever last embers of decency he had in oh, that, that was for it. safekeeping. It's like the glow it, it, yeah. drains from his body and goes into that film. <laughs> and then that was it. Yeah. Yeah. He when was he in that movie? Pretty Persuasion. Doesn't he play That's a total in jerk? In the, I mean, this is my question. He's like a creep, Five. right? He, isn't he like a fucking adult who sleeps with Evan Rachel Wood? As yes. A, right. Yes. David, can you, uh, I should clarify. I got two Davids this episode. I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, Mr. Sims, mm. would you mind, as I introduce the podcast, pulling up what James Woods does in between Virgin Suicides and uh, I, happily, I have it for you here. Okay. Because this is a podcast called Blank Shack with Griffin and David. I'm Griffin. I'm David. Which one? Sims. I'm Griffin Newman. And it's a podcast about filmographies, directors who have massive success early on in their careers and are given a series of blank checks to make whatever crazy passion projects they want. Sometimes those checks clear. Sometimes they bounce. Baby, man, does this director we're talking about really illustrate that concept? He's like a basketball. Yeah. You know, just going up and down. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it's true. And, and these last five movies are very much like, we should let him make it. That guy made some great movies, bounce, right? Bounce, right. Bounce, it's just multiple bounce. bounces, but, yeah. like, but he's John Carpenter. I mean, this movie made its budget back domestically. So I guess by a hair. But, you know, and then I'm like, this feels like the kind of movie probably. Did okay on the yeah. old VHS market, right? You know, there are two direct-to-video sequels. Hey, Los Muertos. Los Muertos. <laughs> gotta watch out for that. Los Muertos. I remember Los Muertos being one of those like always there at the yeah. video store. The I do not remember two of its day. Vampires: The Turning is the other one. I do not know that one. It's weird. There's this, and then there's Wes Craven presents Dracula 2000, both of which I feel like were mocked when they came out, right? And, and had which successful direct-to-video sequels fully came out in like 1998, right? Yes, like that's what I think was so, so odd. About Blues it. Brothers 2000 also comes out in 1998. <laughs> Uh, People were just jumping the gun. They were so hyped for 2000. You know who the the star of Vampires 2 is, right? Of Los Muertos? Is is I think Los Muertos is three. Am I wrong about you this? You are wrong. But Los Muertos is two. And it stars... John Bon Jovi. Jonathan I did know bon that. Jovi I did know is that. Is the star. He's the, he's he's the, the vampire the hunter. He's the vampire and it's hunter. Too late. Um, yeah. Yes, I did know that. Natasha hey, Gregson hey, Wagner's in it. hey. Ten comedy points. Wow. That was really <laughs> good. Ten. It almost got lost. It almost fell between the cracks. I was going to let that Apparently, happen. Apparently, Diego Luna is in it. He is. Ooh, casting he is. Andor himself. Right. And, uh, and then in Vampires, The Turning, Okay, we've got Colin Egglesfield. I don't know who that is. You know who Colin well, Egglesfield is. No, I don't. I'm sure you do. We yes. all know He was Colin in Something Borrowed. Is. Thank you. He was in Something Borrowed. He was supposed to be a guy. He's in Must Love Dogs. But you must. You must. You must. Uh, I guess I also get the, the fucking, I guess the from Dust Till Dawn direct-to-video sequels were a real, like, well, the, the, industry. This movie is also, themselves. like, a kind of a Dust from Dust Till Dawn, yes. like, rip-off? Not yes. rip but, like, it's at least, like, that movie did okay, so I'll greenlight your sort of vampire western that's it's super violent, right? weird. It's weird, especially because Dust Till Dawn's whole legacy was that, like, no one knew this was a vampire movie. What a surprise. Which is, I mean, it is one, one of, of my favorite genres of movies so I've cool. ever had. Seen that movie. Truly one of the great genres of movies from, is the we are not going to tell you what this really is until yes, the end like of the second half. For like 45 minutes, right. right. From Dust Till Dawn had two sequels and then a TV series, right? right? So it's, it's really had a long tail. Yeah. yeah. I feel like no one's really doing that these days. I mean, it's sort of incompatible with the. It really the has good. 
subtitles too. Texas Blood Money and The Hangman's Daughter. Right. And I think that one's oh. a prequel. One of yes, them's one like of them's actually a, a That would be even better though if yeah. that was just the subtitle of one Is film. Is there not? <laughs> it's called Texas Blood Money and, and the, Hangman's the Hangman's Daughter. Daughter. That's like a Bob good. Dylan song. Yeah. Um, and there, The Crimes of Grindelwald. Is there not still the DTV market with We've the sequel? No, 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 yeah, we have. Yeah. I don't care about yeah. the DTV movies as much as I do about the movies that present as one thing and then become another. Oh, sure, and I sure, think sure. that in our like super transparent online culture, it's hard to get away with that. There's only one guy who does it, baby. Who that? M. Knight. Oh, sure. He'll do it. He'll do it. Not always. Not always. But he'll do it. But he, he is capable of doing it. I, I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, like Split nothing, is that as a twist ending. And I would argue Unbreakable in terms of how it was marketed was that where it's not until an hour in where you go like, this is a fucking superhero movie. Now everyone knows, oh, that's I a superhero movie. I think the closest movie. analog that we have on even a semi-regular basis these days are the A24 horror movies that they sort of deliberately mismarket. But that's the thing. That's the difference is I don't think that's those filmmakers right, trying to no, the no, audience. Right. That's A24 being like, we can do fucking I mean, a million Parasite people. Parasite has the hinge point moment where the movie totally changes. Yes. But right. I don't know if it like completely, it's not like a From Dust to Dawn where like, the, the genre, genre totally the genre, Right. The genre right. tonal thing I think is a big... But I mean, Paris like, definitely does have that moment. Absolutely. Which is so right where you're like, okay. I like, would have loved to have seen turning into Lamb different. not even knowing you know, that it was supposed to be a horror film. Yeah. I mean, that that is a movie that really does, um, beyond the marketing, sort of take its time to uh, play its cards. But while you're on the computer, you should go. I think this could be a Patreon goal for you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, you should go onto James Wood's uh, Twitter feed and you no. should... Uh, Has if he you, been banned? No, no. He is back and he is constantly tweeting about three things. Okay. One, of course, is animals, which he loves. Oh, Two I, is uh, the American flag, which he cries over. Uh, he There's a tweet from Should September relax. 11th of this year where he sees an American flag on a crane <laughs> and he rich. goes, sorry, my eyes are getting dusty. Yeah, and, and three, of course, is poker, but yeah. now mm. you can and should stake him at the World Series of no, Poker. No, I'm not going to stake him, but I, I, I like... <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second! You don't want, you don't want to make threats against that guy. I, oh, right. You might want to yeah. put that out. Great. Wait, He's very actually, bleep it. Bleep Hold it. On, we bleep, bleep it. That. Bleep yeah, it. Yeah, don't yeah. Put it out. Uh, yes. bleep it. So there's the implication that I have said something, but no one knows the specifics of yeah. it. We should uh, say famously, James Woods. <laughs> someone tweeted at him with like ten followers and said, "Like you washed up cokehead," and he sued them, saying, "I've never used coke in my life." And then in the years that the lawsuit was dragging out for defamation, the guy died. The guy yeah, died, yeah. and they Woods has refused to drop the case and has demanded settlement payout from the family. One of the many fun uh, entries in the legal issues section of his Wikipedia page, uh, they, which, which is, is longer than you would want it to be for yourself, which I is think. dense. Look, uh, look. But here's the thing I want to say about James Woods' poker career. Moving yep. off of the other stuff, the flag and the Twitter, uh-huh. <laughs> he's on a <laughs> great episode of. Was it called Celebrity Poker Showdown? Yes. The, the one that David Dave Foley yes. hosted. Which was my favorite show. One of, one of the greatest yeah. television shows <laughs> yeah. in Dinner the for history Rise, of the film mediums. Yes. With yes. cards. Um, was so good. Uh, and my roommate, Phil, and I used to watch it in college it religiously. Yeah. And Delighted. he is a very committed poker player. And he's on one of the earlier episodes with four other people who are celebrities who clearly know the rules of poker. Sure. You know, but are not right. particularly involved right. poker players. And he's sort of like, yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's for charity. I, I'll do it, you know. And then like one hand in, he like busts out or like a very early. And he's like, nothing that they were doing was logical. All of the bets they made made no sense. When I would see their cards, I'd be like, wait, why did you do it? Because they're all just like, yeah, sure. I, I got know. some red ones. Right. I'll bet a hundred. <laughs> right. you know? And Woods is like, 
uh, okay, well, clearly you have this. Like, I know how poker work, you know, yeah. and like he just was complete. It's a very funny episode. I, if He's I, not amused. I know how I could be James Woods in poker. Wear sunglasses with American flags on the lenses. <laughs> <laughs> he can't see the cards. Yeah. Uh, what do I have? Look, anyway, as Griffin, you were reading me for filth, but I've said it on this podcast. I, I have always been a huge James Woods fan as an actor when I was younger. Not a huge James Woods fan as a human being seems. No, but your thing uh, you've like always said, dude. and I think it, it, we all have these people for us, right? Where you're like, I hate the fact that I find him so compelling on screen. I Absol- wish absolutely. I did not find him so compelling on um, screen. For me, there are people Saddam where Hussein. <laughs> Look, he's good on screen. Like he's amazing in Hot Shots Part 2. <laughs> the first time I probably was aware of James Woods is probably his Simpsons appearance. Mm-hmm. Um, which is so funny to yeah. this day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's so, he's it's so, so funny. funny. Yeah. He's it's, so game on, he's done multiple episodes I think he used to be a more Simpsons. game person. He's done like general. 15 episodes of the family guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well. I think, I think he used humorless to be humorless. I, I think, yeah, he's, you know, had some, whatever. He's he game. funny. Yeah. But uh, I, I, if you I, want, Hercules was my first exposure. That was, that probably right, right for me too. If you want um, me to now run down his sort of, early aughts. Sure, I'd right? like to just quickly say this is a miniseries on the films of John Carpenter. It's called They Podcast, and our guest today is a second David, hence me demanding your last name, returning sure. to the show from IndieWire, our good friend David Ehrlich. Hello, He's hello. here. I'm here. I'm in the tomb. You're in the yes, tomb. Yes, welcome to the tomb. You know, wait, we're calling Ben's apartment the tomb? It's a working title. Because of the mummy? Yeah, well, Have you, has there been a mummy you haven't been able to like, get rid to of or podcast, something? Sims, this is, uh, I was walking I'm over here. I'm really behind on my podcast yeah. as I am on most podcasts. We used to, David and I both. I used to keep up with it. We yeah. used to be like, like, uh, like DeMarco. Every night you've closed down DeFaro's pizza shop. You need to try a slice to make sure the product's still exactly. good. Exactly. And I think in the one. last two years, both of us have been like, I never want to hear my voice ever I, again. A little bit of that. A little bit of that. It, give Recording me about six months. the show months. in real time gives me anxiety. Give me about six months. I will listen yeah. to an episode from about six months ago and often be like, oh, Okay, sure. sure. But I need a little more distance now yeah. than I did before. Yeah. I, I've never listened to any podcast. Any episode, worm, of every podcast that I've podcast ever been that you're on, on that I always um, plug for you because you always forget to plug. the sound of my voice. Uh, Fighting the war. me nauseated, and I know I'm not alone in that. But I will say that this is one of the least tomb-like places I've ever it's been. It's a lovely place. That's the A thing. lovely home. There's a it's mahogany lovely. glass case about sure 10 is. feet tall. It's a curio cabinet. I mean, it's and a it's place for just and curio. Like lovely it's not even antique stuff you plates. It, it is easily the least tomb-like place we have ever recorded the podcast. That is true. And, and we, we recorded, recorded in some real fucking tombs. God, I remember when Audio Boom moved us to that uh, Studio B or whatever oh. it was. Yeah, that was a and real And we like short-circuited. <laughs> we were like, bury this episode, delete it. It's unlistenable. That's the swing shift. You right, guys we did listened, that we were, like, one good special episode. episode. We were focused. <laughs> totally fine. Tight. Recorded that one track. episode from the basement from Prince of Darkness. We did. Yeah. We did. We did do that. I mean, there's in the, the, Wonder, the Wonder Woman <laughs> episode that we just recorded in my kitchen because the scheduling was so insane and we sound like we're in a submarine. Yes. Yeah, we do. Um, right. Anyway. Uh, three episodes where I lost my own audio and sounded like I was in a submarine. That's true. That's true. But this Good is a time. miniseries called In the Mount Pods of... Uh, in, the, in the Mount Pods of Madcast, right? Like, is that right? I wish. I wish. You know what's the thing I've really enjoyed recently? Anytime there's any mainstream thing with a horribly sweaty title, people now just tag me and go, did you write this? So like all the fucking Huluween and Peacocktober. I mean, Peacocktober, that's, that's it's great. A that's a fucking branding. slam dunk. Absolutely. But the, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, a time in a needle stack. What the fuck is that movie called? Needle, needle in a time, time stack. stack. Right. Everyone, everyone's crediting me with coming up with that title. 
You? Yeah, they're like, that sounds like some sweaty griff shit. <laughs> That's true. Podscape from Newcast. Truly sweaty. Um, be tough to find. Need a lot of time, Stackberry. Well, anyway, welcome to the tomb. Oh, thanks. Pleasure to be here. Um, John, James Woods is, I believe, top build in the Virgin Suicides. Yes. I believe so. Which is amazing. Which is really in a, a career that I, in my opinion, is storied with many incredible performances. Mm-hmm. One of his best. Sure. Yeah. A performance that tr- profoundly moves me. Uh, he was also in True Crime that year, The okay. General's Daughter, and Any Given Sunday, and Play It to the Bone. It's one of those things That's where, a like, huge year. He would just take those supporting roles. Yeah, like right. he was a fairly, you know, like he he seemed to accept. Like I'm not an A-list star anymore. Like fairly yeah. early. <sighs> Wait, fuck. Now there's some other movie we've covered him on that I'm forgetting. Where you're surprised that he's like seventh build, and he's just like in it, and he's not the focus, and he's not the and. I'll figure out what it is. Keep yeah, going. But there, I, I don't want to give him too back. much credit. Contact. But- uh, Thank you. Yeah, which he's great in but that's one where you're like he's not uncredited yeah, where you're cameo. like I guess he's sort of the villain but really this is just like the eighth lead right. like yeah right. I would venture a guess to say that Contact is one of Contact and John Carpenter's vampires are the roles that are probably closest to who James Wood is <laughs> yeah. in real life and White House Down <laughs> and White, White House Down, down. Wow, White House Down that's why I'm placing that as a James final Wood. pillar but, that's um, the point but of no he, I don't want to give him too much credit but there is a vague sense when you read off the titles that he was in towards the late 90s the string of high profile movies that some part of him recognized that he was in the the death throes of an era where a James Woods could get regular work. It was going to be hard for him to escape the 90s. I mean, that's that 99 burst is him going like, I got to get while the getting's good. I don't know if I'm going to cross over. So in 2001, he's in five movies again. Okay. After taking a a break in 2000, I guess he was enjoying the millennium. A a one year break. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Recess schools out. Apparently he's a voice in that. He's the villain. He's uh, actually really he plays fourth good. period. Final Fantasy, the spirits within. Apparently, <laughs> he's a voice points. in that. Sure I is. believe he's the villain in that as well. Quite possibly. Yeah. I mean, you know, Hollywood. Did, did, was Ben Affleck the hero in that, or did the guy no, just look like Baldwin ben looks like Ben Affleck? Right, right it's yes. uncanny. Yeah. Um, he's in Scary Movie too. I remember that being a one scene performance. Funny, but, you know, famously, parody. Famously, sure. that famously. was supposed to be Marlon Brando. Right. They announced that they were paying him like seven million dollars for the one scene. Marlon Brando Huge showed up on set. It was it was an absurd salary. Maybe I'm overselling a little bit, but it was like millions of dollars for one scene. It was such a big announcement of like, why is he doing fucking scary movie too? He showed up on set with the oxygen tank and they were like, Marlon, you can't do this. Right. So James Woods was the sub in for Brando. Well, I remember who then is funny. dead by the time the movie comes out. He died right around there. Yeah. Somewhere around there. Uh, he's also in Riding in Cars with Boys. Is that sort of a virgin suicide scene He's the dad. I think he's, he's the dad. John Normal <laughs> Something dad. that his character in Vampires would almost never do. Uh, that's true. Well, he rides in cars with priest <laughs> With boy. men. Right. Uh, with men, yes. He's in something called Race to Space. Looks that sounds like an IMAX documentary like, or something like no, that. No, it's like there's like a monkey in a spacesuit on the cover. Okay. Hey. okay. Uh, and then, you know, 2002, John Q and Stuart Little, too. He's the voice of a falcon. I remember that. He's the villain in that. John Q, I believe he plays the surgeon who they're uh, trying sure. to get to perform the surgery. Sure, that's that's one of the few Denzels I've never seen. But that's another one where he plays sort of like a, a, a kind, good... Yeah, I don't know. You ain't seen John um, Q. In 2003, he's in North Fork, directed by the then-celebrated indie Polish brothers and now kind of like MAGA Red Pill He's Polish directing brothers. the Gina Carano, Ben Shapiro movie. Right. Uh, he's in something called This Girl's Life, 2005 Pretty Persuasion, and Be Cool. Okay, so pretty persuasions him leaning full into creep, and, and be then, cool is coasting off '90s vibes as right. a sequel to get And then, like be after cool. now, we're getting into like movies I've never heard of. Something called Endgame with Cuba Gooding Jr. Uh-huh. and Angie Harmon, and looks like 
bunch of people with guns outside the Capitol right. building. Are these but, like Avi Lerner know. tax shelter movies? Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, he was a voice in Surf's Up. Okay, probably uh, the He's villain. in the Straw Dogs remake. Oh, yes. He but apparently is. in a small role. Yeah. Uh, and then it's like White House Down. He's in Jobs. The, you know. We're like jumping butcher. ahead. I mean, there's no, a No, I'm not there. jumping ahead. No, that's what I'm saying. I'm jumping yeah. ahead in years. It's I know I'm not skipping sl- over kinda, credits, but like well, White House Down, he hadn't been on screen well, well. But what? you're forgetting one thing. What am I forgetting? Shark on CBS is shark. He was shark. a shark. I'm the shark. <laughs> um, a, a show that I, as a James Woods fan, when yeah. it debuted, I was like, I'm all in on this show. And then I think like two episodes in, I was like, this is a bad procedural, but I can't let it go. Did, like, shark. Am I misremembering that Spike Lee directed the pilot for Shark? You are not misremembering that. You are remembering correctly wow. that he directed the, the pilot for Shark. That's kind of Spike Lee's doldrum period. It's uh, post, like Inside post Inside Man. Man where he's he, like, I had a hit and no one will like, hire me. Exactly. Where I think he was like, why am I not getting major? So he makes a yeah. couple pilots. You know, he right. does You know, he d- does stuff. He's but. talked about how flummoxed he was where he was like, that was my biggest hit movie. I like delivered it un, uh, under budget, on time. It fucking worked and I couldn't get the sequel made and no one would hire me to make another big movie. Uh, well, he did the shark pilot. I wonder how mad James Woods was that he couldn't play the Barry Pepper role in 25th Hour, oh. which feels like a real James Woods type. Well, wait, that would, and he's too to, old for that. To, no, but if that movie had been made... It's yeah. Barry Pepper. Yeah. He's playing an asshole. He talks about how big his but dick is all the time. he's supposed to be like a contemporary. No, but what I'm saying is like, you know, how angry he was that yeah, that, that project didn't not. exist when yeah. he was 30. He would have been yeah. good. Would have been great. And you know who else is good? Barry Pepper. I hope he's not. He's not canceled, right? No, I think we Barry like Pepper, Pepper right? Barry, I mean, Barry Pepper just seems suspect after Battlefield Earth and mm. just, just the general vibe of Barry no, Pepper. No, but we shouldn't I, slander him. You know, I don't know why. I think, no, I think Barry otherwise. Pepper, upstanding citizen, I think... Uh, Come on the show, Barry Pepper. Mu- much Stay like Forrest Whitaker took Battlefield for the, for the pay. Was and, not, and the love. And the love. <laughs> he's in Crawl. He's great in Crawl. Love that movie. I'm, I am always happy when he pops up in something. It does not happen very often. Yeah, Look, Pepper on the dish is always. Apparently, welcome. he met Creech. He's in Monster Trucks. Oh boy! <laughs> I, Rob Lowe's in that. Everyone's in that. Everyone's in that. Condoleezza Rice is in that. <laughs> Cast everyone with with Barry Pepper and everyone. <laughs> Okay, so, um, yeah, I do. I mean, obviously, I was introduced to James Woods through The Simpsons and Hercules, but, you know, I... I need a minute to get over Creech. I'm sorry. Yeah. I just need, like, a quick Creech break. Did either of you ever meet Creech? No, I never did. I, I went you at met. 10 a.m. on a Saturday morning yeah, I, for the press screening I stayed, to meet Creech. I stayed as far away from <laughs> I wore Creech a as I could. You guys um, have both seen the photos of what Creech originally I, looked I, like. Uh, right? Yes, I know. I'm, I'm aware of the saga. Of just Creech. one of the all-time great stories, if I can recount this very quickly, was they make this fucking movie in which a monster lives in a truck and a kid bonds with his monster truck and they screen the finished movie and kids like run out of the theater <laughs> screaming. Well, it's like bloody murder. It's a creature. Right. And Paramount was like, we have to fix this frame now. by frame. <laughs> right. And you can see if you Google original Creech design, they put that in the fucking movie and screened it for five-year-olds. It's incredible. <laughs> Um, but it you looks know, like in the mouth of madness shit. It looks like the wall of monsters. Yeah. Um, I love him in Videodrome, Incredible. Once Upon a Time in America. You know, a lot of those eighties movies. So he played or, a yeah. Jew in Once Upon a Time in yeah. America. Yes, I mean because there was just a time where Hollywood was hog wild in so many different respects in yeah. terms of casting. Well, he where, also played James Rudy Woods, Giuliani. 
Yes. I mean, does he, he played, strike you as Rudy Giuliani? Yes, he does. No, he doesn't. Um, in his soul, he also in his soul. played. In his soul. Maybe in his soul. In his soul. I, I don't want to tell too. Tell, he also tell is Haldeman in Nixon, which he is fantastic. Mm. He played a man who I grew up with. H.R. Uh, Haldeman. H.R. Haldeman. <laughs> uh, no, he played. I, when, I, when I was growing up, <laughs> I, I, I was going to make that same fucking joke. <laughs> uh, when I was growing up, my best friend was uh, Dick Fold's son. Uh, Dick Fold was the CEO. Yeah, I got to double back to this as well. The man's name is Dick Fold? Dick, you said, Dick, this guy's Dick Fold. Fold? Dick Fold, F U L D. He was the CEO of Lehman Brothers. Um, oh, okay. And uh, James. And oh, I, he plays him in, yeah. in Too Big to Fail. He's really good in he that. He plays him in Too Big to Fail. Fuck, I it forgot was very about strange. He did a lot of TV. I guess yes. I'm forgetting that he yeah. really became kind of an HBO Right, that movie was the guy. thing. I, right. I think it was surprising to see him in White House Down just because you're <laughs> like, he's in a fucking I was. Movie. I used to yeah. go when I was like six years old and I was having sleepovers at their house. I would. I had no idea who he was or what he did, and you know, I would knock on his door at six a.m. or at six in the morning. No, whatever. Six hours after I went to sleep at some time in the night. Sure. When I decided that I was homesick and wanted to go see my parents, okay. it was like two a.m. and like, I would say hello, not knowing that he was the CEO of Lehman Brothers. And he would drive you home, and, <laughs> and he'd be I like, say, David, "Everything's going fine, but it's a delicate balance. <laughs> <laughs> One fucking Jenga piece gets removed. Yeah. Oh boy, you don't want to know. About and the you're like, huh? And he's like, "Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it." It's like three in the morning. He just got got a phone call from Tokyo and he's like, oh God. But as someone myself who grew up to be kind of introverted, it's just so funny to me to picture my six-year-old self knocking on the door of the CEO of Lehman Brothers be like, drive me home. 3 a.m. I just can't believe it. with a name like Dick Fold, he he wasn't a performer in Puppetry of the Penis. <laughs> it's just like such I don't know what he did layup. in his time. But, well, uh, well, yeah. Anyway. <sighs> Dick Fold. Well, he sure folded it. Uh, James Woods uh, is the star of John Carpenter's Vampire. The movie we're talking about today. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Now, Ben, yeah, I know you've been doing a lot of extracurricular work throughout this main series. You've yeah. been reading your big uh, Carpenter tome, yeah. but I don't know if you read the, the dossiers when JJ, our researcher, sends them to us. Did you see anywhere what the title of the book this movie is based on is? Uh, no. Well, so I'm going to tell you the title and you're going to go like, huh? Yep. The title is Vampires. Okay, well, that's the name of the Whatever. movie. Right. Yeah. It's not called John movie. Carpenter's Vampires. But wait, it was a book. there's a spelling difference oh. here. Go letter by letter, David. V A M P I R E. Let me take a sip of my drink. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so far, so, so good. So far, so good. Yeah. 
Dollar sign? Yes! Yes! What? The book is called Vampires with a Dollar Sign. Fuck, that's good. I think one of my favorite fucking books, uh, bits on this show. Of all the guesses I had as to where that was going, that was not one of them. I I think the idea in the book is that it stresses that they are kind of a for-profit organization a little bit more. Right, Whereas this is kind of just like they work for the church. Right. That one's more like, they're a for-profit organization, and if you follow the money, it goes to the church, but, like sure. all the way up. I right. want to point something out about the title of this movie, because um, I was doing some of my own research, which is something that people do these days. You got to do your um, own research. And I assumed, I'd always assumed, that it was simply called John Carpenter's Vampires because of a long-standing construction well, always with John Carpenter John Carpenter's movies. Blah. But right. in reality, it turns out that there was just a uh, surplus of vampire related movies around the mid to late 90s. And so all of the filmmakers had to put their own spin on it. That's why you had had Woody Allen's vampires. You had (laughs) Merchant Ivory's vampires. You famously had Ho Shao Shen's vampires. There is Polanski's vampires. Well, I I mean, to my point, that was earlier, but yeah. And so it was really more just to specify Mm. the mad, like fearless fearless vampire killers, right? To specify it from the other wave of vampire movies. Um, people were kind of edging on his territory, but I'm glad they did. John Carpenter's Vampires. No, no dollar sign. Just no dollar sign. I was hoping it was going to be a Z. That would be fun. Vampires. Uh, but no, it's a novel by, let me get his name, John Stakely. Oh, <laughs> watch out. Uh-oh. Uh, who wrote two novels. One is called Armor. Mm. And it's kind of like a space thing where guys fight aliens. Yeah. And one is called Vampires Ching. Yeah. Uh, which, and then that's what he did. He wrote those two books. And uh, John Carpenter made a movie of one of them. Yeah, it's this called book Vampires. is published. It came out in 1998. It's about vampires. Right. This book is published. The studios go, that sounds like a movie. They option it. It's uh, a bunch of people like Peter Jackson and Raimi considered doing it. All the obvious people you'd imagine were offered this or considered doing it. And then it lands with Russell Mulcahy of, uh, excuse me, uh, Highlander fame and Dolph Lundgren, which sounds like a very different movie. Yeah, probably would have worked, you know, right. a bit of trash. Carpenter is super bummed out. It sounds like in a certain way he is more despondent than he's ever been in his career at this point, because I think... Escape from L.A. had just bombed. That had, should have been some sort of homecoming moment for him, sure. a vindication of like full circle. The movies that weren't appreciated at the time have now been canonized. I but can come back and make a sequel people want to see. NBA 2K had not yet come out, and so he had not fully Correct. invested himself in staying home. Correct. Right. He didn't know what to do with himself at home. Because I mean, right, Nintendo 64 is 97. 90, uh, yeah, 96, 97. That's a fair yeah. point. You know, I mean, so it's, it's like it's right happening. around the time that Escape from LA is coming out, he's like, I could stay at home. He's like, I could play a lot of Banjo Kazooie. I'm going to make the scene. Uh, it's a good one, isn't Fucking it? Specific. Fucking Banjo Kazooie is so funny. It's just fun to say. Funny? It's fun. Conquer's Bad Fur Day, no? Well, that, 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 that one's right? a late N64 game. That's We're a little one. like Banjo Kazooie. I could fit in a little backpack. <laughs> I'm Banjo, you're Kazooie. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. I'm just some torpin bird, and you're like a bear is like, just let me fucking. Kazooie's cooler. Do my thing. No, banjo's all right, though. He's a good guy. He's got a banjo. Or a guitar or something. He's always taken out. Anyway, um, Nick and JJ broke this down in the research. I I liked this, where they're like, the quotes you get from him in this era are either the kind of grizzled vet who's like, ah, fuck it, this industry's chewed me up and spat me out so many times. And like, or the kind of like, look, 
you know, I had not a penny to my name. I'm a country boy. I got to make movies. You know, this right. kind of like, you I know, don't got any complaints. I'm John Carpenter. Right. It's a nice lot in life. Like, let me, like, I'm trying to find some good ones. One day, the IFC Center is going to make t-shirts that have my name on them. I mean, oh, cool. this is pretty good. I turned 50 in January. I know this is a cliche and people don't understand this. When you're an older man, adrenaline and coffee don't do it anymore. That's what young kids get. That's what, that's what young kids get by on or drugs. Okay, John. You can't do it over and over again. A director has no lifestyle. Your personal life suffers terribly. The stress is terrible on you. So he's basically kind of like, look, out. I quit because fuck this, you right. know? And like me, he might feel differently if Escape from L.A. had made $200 million. You know, maybe sure. he wouldn't be so embittered. Uh, but it sounds like more than ever, this was a point where he's like, I might be done directing. I find no joy in this anymore. He definitely is no longer like, I got to make another one. If one does. Badly. Absolutely. Right. And, yeah. and after being a movie a year guy, the gaps are getting longer. I mean, this one's only two years, but like he's comfortable not making a fucking movie. It seems like increasingly. And then he gets sent the script and he's like, well, this is a Western. Like that was the one thing they could do to fucking lure him back at this moment in theory is. Yes. Uh, I wonder if, I, if there are any quotes that uh, they sourced for you about him having a similar feeling to the James Woods thing that we were talking about earlier of just recognizing that his particular skill set was going to be out of vogue soon. The horizons aren't limitless soon. for me anymore, but I've had a hell of a good life. It's a lot of that stuff. No, but there were, know? I mean, where it's like, yes, you, you can scan for these. Like, but I'm John But JJ did pull up a whole bunch of quotes from him where he was ragging on how post Scream everything had well, become postmodern, yeah, yeah. winky. Tongue in cheek. I'll he bring was this like, up. So this is the thing. I play it straight. This movie is 1998. Also in 1998, we have the film Halloween H2O, which some people get mad at me for calling it Halloween H2O. And they're like, no, it's not. It's, it's Halloween, Halloween Water. <laughs> but it's not. It was not. marketed as yeah. 2O, which yeah. is why everyone made fun of it. You have to remember that like H2O. We lived through this fucking trailer where they announced it. Like, yes. They said it out loud. It Obviously, was called Halloween it H2O. is 20 years later. Yes. I mean, that is, of course, That's why the, the letter joke. two, uh, the number two and zero are That's next the to joke each other. And it's funny and we give him comedy points for it. So he was offered that movie. Um, perhaps unsurprisingly. But he was like very anti the whole Williamson sensibility. Right. It feels like he wasn't alone as far as like men of a certain generation exactly. thinking about movies. I was just right. watching on my way over here the Ebert, uh, the Siskel and Ebert review and one of the things uh, Siskel fucking loves Siskel loves it and says James champion. Wood should win best actor. Right. And right. I think he yes. went on and did that. But right. the, uh, the thing that he cites as the th his favorite thing about it is that there are no teenagers in it. Yes. That's, right. that's a big sticking point. And Ebert, who didn't like it, is like, you know, but I like that there were no teenagers in it. <laughs> right. He calls them teeny boppers. Uh, those uh, darn teeny boppers always wearing their dealy boppers. <laughs> Makes my skin crawl. But uh, yeah, I mean, this was, a, this was a real change of pace from the screams and the I know right, what he did But like summer. at this point, like Wes Craven's on top of the fucking world, right? Kind He's like reestablished himself as the biggest name in horror and he like has launched a new franchise. True. And he's now going to get to make his like his violin movie. Yes. Right. His like fucking Miramax Oscar bait film and not be pigeonholed into the genre anymore and also get to make his sequels and whatever. But to some degree, you wonder if Carpenter's looking at him like askance going like, yeah, but you sold all of us out, you know, like now none of us can make but the it, earnest thing anymore. Because you had to have the fucking last say. No, but I think Wes Craven is like was always kind of annoyed by Freddy. Like he makes this incredible. The other movie. difference between Craven and Carpenter is Craven very openly was like, I was never a guy who liked horror. It was my right. way in, and he then I sort of ran it as about. a business. And it was right. cheap to make, and it was how right. you got in theaters. And like 
he was like, you know, the Freddy movie, his Freddy movie is so good. And it's not that related to the rest of Freddy. You're saying New Nightmare. No, 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 no. Not even talking, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street. It's a oh, wonderful original. movie. But sure. I'm saying yes. like where they take Freddy from there. There's only a little bit of that in yes. his movie. Yes. And I think he doesn't like particularly like the sequels. He uh-huh. thinks they're goofy, even though they're super fun and Freddy's yeah, they, in them and he's a badass. Fucking dream warriors. Um, and then he comes back with New Nightmare, which is a movie that has like two kills in it. Right. Total. And has lots like, of scenes of Wes Craven as himself being like, Freddie came to me in a dream, you know? Like, and much and like he's a Scream is him like deconstructing the thing that he did. Right. But with Scream, Kevin Williamson is like, but the movie should be like really fun. And right. Like, you know, on rail. What if it also like, works? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What like, if it also works? That's I mean, I really that Hollywood love, is, to be clear, uh, I love fine. New Nightmare. It's me too. It's just a very strange swerve. It, it does not know. function properly as a genre movie. It's not scary. I think that it's was- not that scary. That was the it's Scream thing of weird. like- right. Right. Scream is super scary. I mean, what like if the it thing works with Scream, as a horror movie? Yeah. And I bet you feel that, you know, like that new trailer. Have you seen the new trailer for the yeah. new Scream? Like. I, I haven't. I watch. Know, I ride or die for Hayden Panettiere's haircut in Scream 4. She and, is in Scream uh, 4. After that, I closed the book of Scream. Well, it's got this. It's try, It's clearly trying to do the Drew Barrymore sequence from Scream. Yeah. But now there's like an app that locks the doors yeah. or whatever. Yes, it's yes. trying to update it. And you're watching it and you're just like. Oh, right. Like, Wes Craven killed it so hard in the first 10 minutes of Scream. Right. Which is so scary and so clever. Yeah. And it's kind of like, why make more Scream? Someone ran up to me like the eighth grade dance that fall that Scream came out uh, Mm -hmm. wearing the Scream mask, like a friend of mine. Sure. Like, like sprinted up to me in a crowded room. And I remember that feeling of, like, mortal terror. Like, I had never felt Scream mask really freaked out. Scream has to be the last time that, like, a horror icon was actually scary in that kind of way you know where like the mere sure. presence the iconography like a certain point scary movie comes along and becomes silly no but sc- the scream mask well what do you think it was ben? genuinely scary scream for a couple years sort of seems like ben's energy <laughs> yeah yeah i think i had the mask yeah, i think i, I went I, I'm not yeah. surprised. i think uh, yeah. he ran up to me in my eighth grade dance <laughs> that might have been yeah, shadow yeah. Lord. i'll um, just yeah. i'll just say i always still think about the joke liver alone from the movie. See, it's such a throwaway yeah, line. None that. of you guys remember, remember it. He's joking about a murder that just taken place. What's the Lillard? Matthew yeah, it's his character. And he's like making basically like a bad cheeky joke. He's like okay. liver alone, like joking that her liver this. was sure, removed yeah. from her body. Anyway, love the movie. You have big Matthew Lillard I was, energy. Uh, yeah. Uh, like, and of similar course, to James Marie w- yesterday said you are yeah. shaggy. True, yeah. true, are the true. Scooby-Doo right. Like in the same way that James Woods is mad he couldn't be Barry Pepper in 25th Hour, I think Matthew Lillard is kind of mad that he aged out of playing Hosley in the Ben Hosley biopic. That's, that's true. That's yeah. tough. True. Landry Jones came and shanked him. <laughs> I know. Uh, <laughs> but he could play like old Ben yeah. in like a yeah. sort of old, Logan Old man Hosley. <laughs> yeah. Oh, in the Western that they make yeah. about Ben's life. Here's Kevin Williamson. Uh-huh. On Carpenter declining the, the Halloween H show job. Yeah. He wasn't interested in all at all. It's silly. He's a wonderful director. John was on some vampire movie, Brood. Brood. And he said, you know what? I'm not interested in doing the same movie again. And it's funny because that quote reads to me like Williamson is like, can you believe this guy? And it's so yeah. like, I could believe that. Yeah, also, like, why he, does he want to do he that? He just fucking made the Slank Pliskin movie that people had demanded True. he made for 15 years right. and then no one liked it. So I just, um, he's like, why would I fucking go back to the well on any of this shit? And then his thing also, we should also mention the other part of it is that his deal on Halloween was so shitty and he never made as much money on Halloween right, he as had other a lot people, of resentment right. where I, I feel like I've had other times read quotes from him when they were trying to lure him back 
I think even maybe for resurrection as well, mm-hmm. his attitude was always like, I will do it if you give me like the reparations pay. And they were always if, like, if, what? No. Right. We'll my salary your- has to be making up for the fact that I didn't have profit participation. Right. God, I would love to see him direct resurrection with everything else in the script. Buster rhymes, like everything else has to be the same. Yeah. Only Junker. And to see like how much of an improvement would, yeah. would occur. Yeah. Um, he here's Carpenter's quote, the one you were you were sort of referencing. And it's in every movie now, and the horror movie has it now with Scream. It's a postmodern style where the filmmaker is acknowledging to you you're watching a horror movie and things are borrowed from everywhere and you refer to things and wink at the audience. It's playing to the perceived cynicism in the audience out there today. It's in action movies. It's in everything. And this movie, Vampires, has none of that. None of that. None of that. I mean, there there are like four quotes like the one you just read that JJ was able to pull up. And he he links that like, that's why I took the screenplay. I opened it up. I went, oh, it's a Western. It's guys hunting vampires. They're adults. It's just that. It's just that. There's no fucking bigger and, twist on it. And whose name does he bring up when he reads this script? Howard Hawks. It's like, he just oh, always yeah. is like, it's like a Hawks movie. And I'm like, yes, John. Right. <laughs> sure. But this <laughs> he time, always is he like, finally like sort of gets to be in the West and it's gunslingers. Like, this is like closer to being a Western than, dare I say it, in terms of patina hmm? than anything he's made before where he can say like Assault on Precinct 13's a Western, but it has the trappings of a modern crime movie. I'm you just know? thinking like if you dug up Howard Hawks and showed him this movie, do you think you'd be like, my legacy is finally yeah. what I always intended? I, I wasn't with you till Mark Boone Jr. was split <laughs> from crotch to shoulder. <laughs> and then I was like, we'll, I we'll, see we'll get there. where yeah. you're pulling from. That that is incredible. Guy. I mean, that is the that is the shot that it's the thing I remembered most yes. from seeing this movie. I, it, it, look, if we were doing this episode over Zoom, all four of us would have come on with that as our virtual background. <laughs> I, you, I, my body would be positioned in, in the, the crevice. We don't be in the middle of the V. You know, and it's funny because that's a trick that's been played in many a, a horror film, right? Yeah. You sort of like the slice yeah. and then someone goes like, and you're like, what is going to happen? Sure. Chopped in half, right. cubed, right. much like in the film Cube. Yes. Right? You know, head lopped off. Like, but the, the specificness and the nastiness, I, the way it kind of like topples. I'm I sorry, would say I it owes a lot to samurai cinema, um, sure. mm-hmm. which is like really a whole genre built around that moment of Dave, death, uh, David Sims is uh, miming, um, uh, being attacked by. A I would sandwich. also argue cartoons. Sure, because you sure. know when you get clobbered in the head with a mallet, and then your teeth kind of crack apart and fall out into dust, right, like piano keys, or yeah. or you have the bump in your head that grows six inches past your skull, or you fucking become an accordion. <laughs> uh, but that shot was, if we can go into like when I first encountered this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because this was um, you. You called dibs on this. Well, yeah, I mean, I know, listen, I know where I am in the food chain. I knew that Manzukis and Shear were coming in for whatever they were doing. Sure and, were. They were going to get a curve. Yeah, and uh, you know, I'm not going to throw out for The Thing, which is one of my, you know, 20 favorite movies but ever even made. even if it was a strategic pick, it's not like we is, said yeah. we have three movies left. You very quickly were, uh, sure. were like, you gave me a do short vampires? List. Right. I mean, vampires this was the first John Carpenter movie I had ever seen. I did not know who John Carpenter was. Mm. I was, uh, yeah, I must have been on cable TV right when it, Premiere on cable TV. There used to be a channel called Stars Two, which formed about forty percent of my personality. Wait, are you telling me up. this movie played in rotation I deep know. cable it's in the early two thousand? It's not even then. We're talking like late nineties. It went straight to Stars Two, uh, which was a channel that would only play the same four movies on an endless repeat for a week. It's why I saw Magnolia ten times a week for uh, a couple of years, sure. and uh, was no worse to wear for that. And would occasionally watch Vampires a lot. 
And this movie has everything that a 13-year-old boy could possibly want to see in the movie. Yeah. Um, John, John, what's it, Mark Boone Jr., um, a lot of arcane talk about the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, James Wood saying chocolate. Briefly glimpsed breasts. <laughs> yeah, some mild uh, nudity. Yes, it also yeah. has yeah. Right. Uh, some mild nudity and a lot yeah. of gore in the first 15 minutes. And I but, just I mean, remember watching it on repeat. But Mild nudity and a lot of gore. It yeah. is definitely yeah. more gory than it is sure. trashy. Like, it's from dusk till dawn. Yes. Probably a little more equal. Well, there's a lot of gore in from Dusk. But you're really in it. You're close in up it. to it. Like the gore, the violence. Yeah, baby. Like they're like, you're fucking right there. Like at one point when he's stabbing someone. I mean, and it's just like, it's so close. Like, I don't know. It's so disturbing. It's also, I mean, wow. I just, uh, as bookends, right? Ghosts of Mars, we will talk about next week, was supposed to be Escape 3, right? right. That was Escape the from Mars or whatever, right? right. Right. And then Escape from L.A. is notorious for having like some of the most poorly aged CGI of the era. And Ghost of Mars obviously has a lot of CGI. This feels like his last proper rubber movie, like visceral, just sort of like red corn syrup and, and rubber. Yes, and we are constantly which is great. running up against this fucking thing where you read the reviews from the movies at the time. And they're like, we get it, Carpenter. You can put some rubber on screen. But where's the story? And he was always sort of pushing off, like, I'm not a rubber director. Like, that, that, that was, there was such a fucking, like, I don't know. They, they always use that term, you know? Mm. Uh, I mean, it's the watch- way that we talk about CGI now. I mean, Correct. listening to that Siskel and Niebuhr thing, the way they're talking about teenagers in that movie right. is the way that, you know, we might talk today about, you know, not being a superhero movie. The rubber director thing of just like, oh, it's uh, just all these gags, it's all these gross gags. And then you watch this movie, and I think I like this movie less than the rest of the group, but undeniably, David stabbing me with a stake, I'm turning into flames. David uh, is shooting you repeatedly in the face as you're pulled out of a building on a yelling, wedge. He's yelling, Strata Chocolata? <laughs> I uh, am not. <laughs> uh, but, but, it, there's something kind of sentimental about this movie. And you're like, this is the, this is like the end of the rubber era. And man, does he go out in like a blaze of glory. And he really just knows how to shoot this stuff better than almost anyone. That's the thing. It's, it's so classily made. He hires the right considering... people. They design it well, but it's also like, you just watch all these gags in all of his movies and you're like, he lights it better than anyone else. He knows where to put the camera. He knows how long to hold the shot and when to cut where you just don't get that thing where you're like, oh, the shot looks good until this moment that we get with most movies of this era. Absolutely. You know, I've never been a big John Carpenter guy. Like, The Thing is one of the greatest movies ever made, and so many of his other movies I appreciate, but don't really do it for me. My my thing is that his biggest contribution to culture beyond the thing is uh, Metal Gear Solid. Uh (laughs) And um, for all the, the seeds that he planted... For that, and I hope there are long sidebars in the uh, Escape from L.A. episode about Psychomantis and all that fun stuff. Because in Solid State, I'll, I'll bring up Psychomantis. Yeah, just added it in post, but um, he, you know, he is a one of the most unpretentious of American filmmakers who has yes. ever been. Yes, that, and, it, it, that's a good way of putting. And it. it's kind of I think, and he's proud of it. He'll. Wear I think that the as number one thing right. that has made him age so well. Yeah. Right. Whereas I am. One of the most pretentious Americans there's ever been, and I'm aging poorly. So right now you're aging uh, beautifully. You're hot stuff. Um, but uh, I got my poly wall in that stare since I was like 25. Yeah, well, you wear sides. sides. <laughs> I want to start going gray. I've gotten jealous of people. I just watched in my rewatch. I just got to the Italy episode. 
uh, oh, of oh, the Sopranos. Soprano. Probably, okay. probably won't. And yeah. the, the moment when he says, like, can I just get some macaroni with gravy? And he's there, oh, like, eating the squid pasta. sounds so good. I know. This is, I think this episode's macaroni. coming out after Halloween, so I can say safely, because I know the world is uh, waiting with bated breath for this, that Asa is going to be, my son is going to be Tony Soprano this year, and <sighs> I'm going to be Polly, and my wife is going to be Furio. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if the costume's going to turn out, especially because I think my velour tracksuit was stolen is gonna be off the great front of my porch. But uh, also, anyway. I, I mean, in your journey of uh, going through the various life stages, as represented by different uh, Seth Rogen movies, <laughs> you're finally fulfilling the sort the, of promise of neighbors. Yep. Oh, that is, we are right. very conscious of the neighbors' credits right. uh, <laughs> that were a real inspiration for a us. masterpiece. Uh, no, but you know, I I've been struggling to verbalize this properly in a bunch of half-formed rants and various episodes we've done recently, but the sort of like lack of subtlety in Carpenter combined with uh, the, um, the unpretentiousness, right? Yeah. And how I think so often people uh, nowadays bump up against tonal weirdness and things like that. But I, I was reading all these quotes, him bagging on Scream and all of that, did kind of crystallize for me why I think Carpenter is like more well-regarded now than he ever has been because he is a very literal director. Like there is not ambiguity right. in that and there is not the pomp and circumstance of it. He's just like telling you what he's telling you very straight and also very concerned with entertaining you at the same time. And I think his sensibility has more and more, whether it's because of his influence or just the way people's brains are broken lined up with the way people like to process genre movies. Now. The way that he thinks reminds me, especially listening to you talk about it just now, a lot of Soderbergh. If Soderbergh had the absolute opposite of his skill for uh, being um, malleable and adjusting yes. to the climate, yes. if he just like could not change his ways right. and was just pissed off about everything and just dug his heels in the sand. Um, like they, they are similarly, I think pragmatic in a certain yes. way, but I, it's not like a blue collar vibe in the way that like alien is like, oh, blue collar guys yeah. in space. It's just an unromanticized vibe. Like yes. this is what this movie is. And it goes back to the quote that you had at the beginning of the episode. It's just vampires minus all of the romanticized flowery bullshit that's been put onto them. And that right. I think unfortunately manifests in a lot of homophobia in this movie. But yeah, the um, just because James Woods really picks up that ball and runs with it. But there's a feeling of like, you know, this is not your daddy's vampires. Like, this isn't about the steaks and the garlics and all that shit. And then it is, of course, also right. about all that shit. But they really make a song and dance of saying well, and, that it's And it not. feels like the very premise of this movie as, like, a commercial proposition is, like, imagine what John Carpenter does with vampires. Like, calling a movie John Carpenter's vampires is like, holy fucking Right, like, shit. what's his take going to be? Right, it's not, it's not called John Carpenter's, like... Uh, uh, steak stabbers or whatever. No, it's, it's right. Like, it's that. It's very direct. John Carpenter has vampires. Right. What's he got? And he's like, they're like trashy roadies. Who yeah. You need to stab like eighty times. But it's also like he seems more interested in vampire hunters than in dramatically ending the tropes of the vampire. Well, which he's just sort of stripping it away and returning it to basics. He's but you're making, not just like no, no gothic stuff. They're right. just feral monsters. Right. They're not romantic. They're I mean, like, yeah, that's, right. yeah, exactly. They live. Right. Their nests are essentially right. meth dens, and you just have to drag them into the sunlight, and they're like, yeah. like and that's it. But right. like, let's say in terms of energy mm. and mythology and what have you, they're not that different from say like near dark. 
minus the punk element, the countercultural element. Even in Near Dark, like they right, they talk and they go to bars. And sure, kind of cool. Like they're not cool except for Valak, who yeah. you know he's got a little flair. He's he's kind of fun, but like yeah. the rest of them are just like they're kind of just like drug addicts. They're just yeah. yeah they just there's right. a quote they, they that he has uh, like, somewhere where he's talking about how like his vampires wouldn't have time to intellectualize any of the thing. Like, all they need to do is eat and tear shit apart. Right. And uh, now, what a life. The, the vampire movie started out as a gothic romance. Bram Stoker's Dracula is about a tragic figure contemplating his perverted immortality. Bela Lugosi, uh, his vampire kind of became a friendly uncle. And now we have cute little Buffy. He clearly doesn't like Buffy. Ugh. This is 98, so it's like early Buffy. Yeah. But Buffy's uh, awful, also falling into that postmodern... It is. Shit. That's true. Very right. winky. Right. And her fanged friends in her living rooms each week. My vampires are savage creatures. There isn't a second of brooding loneliness in their existence. Right. They're too busy ripping humans apart. No. They'd have torn Buffy's liver out. Another liver there you reference. Go. There you yeah. go. Before she knew what happened. Rude to Buffy. Yeah. Super yeah, strong. I mean, no joke intended, but it's like the, he wanted to get the bleeding heart shit out of vampires. Yes. No, right. absolutely. And like, of course, also in Buffy, it's like, she hits you once and it's like she's hitting the putty patrol on the center button and they sure, explode. Sure. Whereas this, you really just gotta, you know, yeah. you make sure they're dead. Right. He's a little more interested in the process, dare I He say also doesn't it. like the Anne Rice type vampire. The right. sort of uh, misunderstood lonely romance. vampire. Sure, all yes. of that. I right. do. I mean, we, I'm sure we will talk uh, at length about the uh, jet fuel fucking explosions that come out of the vampires. So cool. But there's a great <sighs> shot towards the end where you see. James Woods or the stuntman subbing it for him, like rolling away out away from the explosion, mm -hmm. which is the opposite of the Buffy thing, where it's like as soon as you stab them in the heart, they sort of cease to be a physical presence. It's yeah. just like hit the fucking deck because I'm gonna get caught on fire if this thing gets near me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, rules. yeah. And I mean that that monologue is him like eliminating all of the supernatural elements to killing a vampire and just reducing it to like you just gotta fucking hack them to shit. Sure do. Watch yeah. out for those fuckers. Yeah, with this really antiquated object. It doesn't entirely line up with the uh, mythology involved in the Catholic Church and all of that, because inevitably you have to get into that use of symbolism yeah. um, and things of that nature. And I wonder if if a John Carter, a John Carpenter... Uh, John Carter? I wonder what John Carter, John Carter they, they both met Mars. Mars in common. Yeah, right. um, <laughs> I liked it. I liked it. They, uh, There's something there. If like this hadn't been the John Carpenter thing of, oh, the budget is going to be sliced to ribbons the night before the shoot, which at this point, you would think you would just expect. It, like, it was like two weeks before filming, it went from 60 to $20 million. Yeah. And he rewrote the whole screenplay. There had been two different drafts written by different men in the development period of this film. And when they cut the budget, he was like, I'm going to take both those drafts. I'm going to take the book and I'm going to pick and choose and find the things that are cheapest to execute. And I think he kind of, you know, he, I think that the book is maybe a little more expansive and he was like, we're just going to have four characters for most right. of the movie. Well, like right. really it'll be James Woods. We haven't even talked about him, but Mr. Daniel Baldwin Esquire, <laughs> uh, Cheryl Lee and Tim Gunny, to, uh, Roman uh, J. Israel Esquire. You, you I just, imagine the $60 million version of this movie is the first 15 minutes for the whole movie. Which, and instead, you know, I put on my monocle and 
Check it out. And at I some would, point, it was supposed to be. It would be cool. <laughs> the beginning, I am so fucking yeah. in. Yeah, that's that, I, when they they open the door and that crew comes out and they start assembling their fucking gear. Yeah, I am just. I have mahogany. I love. <laughs> I have mahogany. Big. Wow. Yeah, you got all the woods. Yes. I love how they the look James like roadies. Like yes. you know what I mean? Like they've all got their kind of you know crates right. of shit. Right. Like, yeah. He just doesn't seem. I mean, maybe Prince of Darkness notwithstanding, he just doesn't really seem super interested in the religiosity of it all and like that feels like a, I mean, a burden that he, he was with I mean, him prince of darkness he's also kind of like you know i've been reading a lot of scientific american and it's kind of like what if religion is science right like he's sort of he's kind of high on like molecules like, i mean i already don't fucking remember but did we counterpoint that there was some movie after prince of darkness where the church is like the one benevolent force that actually gets things right Wait, in prince in the film or no in no, a no. different there's a different god's not dead there's a different Carpenter post Prince of Darkness. I'm forgetting where it was like the framing of the church is the exact opposite. Oh, and you imagine that he'd be like, I don't know. That's what the story needed. Wait, you're right. And what is it? Now I'm going crazy. I know. Were you not talking about vampire? Because the church is seen as the, the only thing that's sort no, of. No, I know. No, but then the, the guy is a bad guy. Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean. Well, spoiler alert. It was one of the ones right after. Wasn't Memoirs of an Invisible Man. No. <laughs> church didn't play a big role. In oh, it's they live. Yes, it's right. the where the well, church it, is secretly a, this countercultural sort of force for good. Right, 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 right. But it's a specific church. I mean, the church does yeah. not come off, uh, you know, smelling like roses. In this and, and by the no. way, no, and I do way. think even if they weren't bad guys, sure. their hiring of James Woods might reflect poorly on them. Yes, Prince of Darkness is a very specific church as well. It is just That's passing true. those two movies are back to back and both have it a is. specific church and specific, you know. And like, as we said, it's that right. one of those things where I would take that to Carpenter. He'd be like, I don't know. Right. Whatever. The script Whereas had a church. This movie is more interested in like the Catholic yes. church right. with yes. like a capital T. Those robed motherfuckers. Right. With jeweled crosses and you right. know, secret bank accounts. Wasn't it's kind of crazy. It's this really, really old institution what, that's what is? secretive. Wait, and, what? What are you talking about? You know, like who knows what like what secrets are hiding. What if there was a Da Vinci code? What are you talking mm-hmm. about? The Volturi? Well, well, I'm, I'm just more saying, <laughs> yeah, fucking Volturi. I'm just saying, what if there's like a secret society, mm. you know, of, of like Day. assassins? Okay, wait, 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 wait. They have something to do with the apple. Yeah, they look yeah, for that apple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. apple. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Original <laughs> sins, kind of a part of it. Huh. Part of it. Yeah. No, wait. I can't remember. So dark, the kind of man. Uh, the Da Vinci Code. Remember the Da Vinci? John Carpenter should have made the Da Vinci Code. Yeah, he would have kicked ass. He would have kicked ass. Or Assassin's Creed should have made a game about vampires. Or John Carpenter should have made Assassin. I mean, that's actually true. he would love Fuck. that. That's my take. That's what he should do. Yeah. They should get him to direct do an episode of the Netflix show. Oh God, they yeah. just yeah. random just episode. Yeah, four. <laughs> <laughs> Which one do you want, John? I don't know. Four. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> is there a TV show? There's a TV show. Assassin's right. Creed. Yeah, so there's far, all they've yeah. done in two years is uh, release a logo, and it's the Assassin's Creed. I mean, I said it's an A. <laughs> yeah, like it's big, but a. it's like redder than you'd think because it's Netflix and it goes to dumb. Um, the Catholic Church. Yes, uh, John Carpenter, like you said, Griff rewrote the script. Uh, he wanted it to be gory. Uh-huh. Uh He wanted the movie to go be pushed to the limit. And it sure was. It got an NC-17. And they had to cut like cut 20 seconds. Gore, which yeah. I think is now restored. I feel like the Blu-ray I'm watching probably has it back in. You you bought the Blu-ray. I sh- Tumble brag. Absolutely. It's a shout factory. I know. Scream, scream factory. Ah! 
Um, um, yep. But uh, surprise, surprise, he wanted Clint Eastwood. Once again, did he, really? he did. It was another one of his fucking stories where he was like, I want the type of guy you never expect at the center of a picture like this. You know, not teeny bopper kids. Gotta be Clint. Like every fucking time he just wants Clint. That Clint's pretty. I mean, I'd watch it. Yeah. I mean, Clint would only do it, it if you could sing a song of the end credits. Uh, well, the studio, <laughs> John the studio wanted Casper Van Dien. That was who the studio was after. Oh, wait, he's from uh, Starship Troopers. That is oh, yeah. so wow. bizarre. They wanted a bizarre. hunky young leading man. I guess it just must have been. Yeah. And at that point in time, everyone's just like, it, it, that's maybe the beginning of the fucking uh, uh, blonde, handsome, pretty boy has to be center of a franchise, even if he's never been in a movie before thing where they're just sort of like. Get a guy who looks like a Ken doll. He needs to look like an action figure. Yes. Right. Yeah, that'll, that'll convince the audience. Mm. Charisma that he's will come a hero. later. Whereas Carpenter correctly was like, this guy needs to act like, be like someone who's you think are, has been fighting vampires for a long right. time. He needs to be grizzled and he older. Also and like wanted Arlie Ermy. Well, that Wait, was, really? can that was you the, imagine? That was the one. So I think everyone but Arlie Ermy is very chill, right? I <laughs> what, what I read is that everyone else Carpenter suggested passed. And then the studio was like under no fucking circumstances. Is this movie going to star Arlie Ermy? He had considered Clint Eastwood, Kurt Russell, Bill Paxton, Al Pacino, hey. Joe Pesci. Mm. Ooh, baby. <laughs> Interesting. Oh, man. Get out of here, you fucking vampire. <laughs> the, the thing chest. is that, like, I could picture Joe Pesci in Absolutely. the lead role of this action movie, which Absolutely. is not a thing you can say about no. many action movies. No, I think that's what's interesting about it. He, the quote was he, he wanted to avoid uh, having, quote, just another muscle-bound meathead. Yes, but, which I um, support him. Right. Arlie Army was the one guy who would have done it, and so, uh, Columbia was like, <laughs> no fucking way. Right. And then... James Woods was sort of like a good compromise for everybody. Right, where that's still right. a known actor. He's a name, he's, he's got Oscar, Oscar nominee. nominee. She's put right. him above the title. Not, not something I've heard said about James Woods in, in a while. Uh, well, uh, but well, you, but you back know, in the day. The other element of this. What? It was supposed to really be framed as a two-hander, of course, between Woods and Baldwin. And I speak of Alec Baldwin. Because Alec Baldwin was supposed to do this fucking movie. And I think that probably made them more comfortable with James Woods being the lead. Right. And then, well, that's how Daniel Baldwin got all his roles, right? They'd be like, Alec, you're here, right? And he's like, yeah, it's me, Alec. And then he like signs his name, Daniel. And they're like, he's like, it's too late. I signed the contract. You have it, to hire me now. It is. Well, I don't want to be too fucking mean here, but it is wild how much like when you watch a, a Billy Baldwin or a Stephen Baldwin, you go, they have their own thing look, going on. Look, no, they have their own thing. Daniel and you watch Baldwin. Daniel and Daniel is just like. Like Walgreens suit effect, where it's like, like compare no. to. <laughs> I mean, the, that's what you could say. It's more like you see Billy Baldwin, you're like, hmm, no, this guy's got too much credibility. Trash here, you know what I mean? Right. It's like Billy Baldwin isn't good enough for you. Daniel Baldwin is Billy the Tom Sizemore of Baldwin. <laughs> wow. He, I think of like the SpongeBob meme, but of course, like the original version of that, which is like the Mister Shake. Yes, <laughs> Mister Shake. Like, um, but he he feels like a compromise between Alec and Stephen because James must have wanted Stephen so they could talk about their like early neocon beliefs, and then Alec is just sort of the happy medium. I, I mean, Daniel's sort right. of the happy medium between them. I will say, uh, Daniel just, just feels like a guy you hire to play Alec Baldwin at a birthday party where your budget's pretty limited. I will remind people that right at this moment uh -huh. he was on Homicide: Life on the Streets, sure. which is. 
not a hit show exactly, but it's a very well respected Regarded show. But and this is also like it. the moment he leaves the it's show. It's right around when he leaves. He probably was like, I just got the vampire movie. See you fuckers later. This is the moment like his life starts spiraling out of yes. control. Yes. Like so he's having he's his second highly publicized rehab stint, I believe, when this movie is being released. He looks a little worse for wear. I'll say uh, in a nice, kind he way. He looks like Alec Baldwin 15 years later. Sure. But um, like, I, I feel like... He's the best actor who ever lived. Whereas with Tom Sizemore, you know, a notoriously horrible person whose life is constantly in chaos. he's very compelling on screen. And you're like, everything that, all the demons of this guy are registering on camera in a way that is like, man, there's like a fucking storm inside of this dude. And you watch Daniel Baldwin, you're like, is this guy like doing okay? You don't have (laughs) the juice of like, man, he's like a fucking... A wild animal, you're just sort of like, is this guy going to forget his lines? The secret you know? to Tom Sizemore is every time I see him on screen, knowing full well about his off-screen struggles, yep. you always want that character to turn That's out well. the other thing. You want mm. some goodness mm-hmm. to emerge from there. And from Steve, with Stephen Baldwin, you just don't have the sense that there's anything happening. Daniel. That character. Daniel. Um, let me it shoot, applies to the Let me shoot <laughs> the Baldwin challenge at you, Griffin. Okay. Can you name the four Baldwin actors in order of age? Who's the oldest to the youngest? Yeah. Alec is the oldest, correct? Born in 1958. I want to say then it is Stephen. Daniel, born in 1960. Second oldest, number two. That's why when Alec didn't get it, or couldn't do it, he was like, by the laws of the Baldwin Brotherhood, it must pass the <laughs> chain of succession. <laughs> right. It's first right of refusal. Then Stephen, then it's Billy. Then Billy. 63. Wow. Stephen's uh, the baby. This is the 66. thing. 66. Stephen reads as the baby, which is why I thought he's deceptively older. Uh, he is the youngest of the Baldwin but, but Brothers. But of course he's the baby. Another I was overthinking thing, it. To reference yeah. the Sopranos, Griffin, mm. you do not know yet possibly. The show I'm you know. currently on season two of. But uh, the there is a time. later season arc in which uh, a movie is made and he is in the movie. And Daniel? Daniel. Okay. And it, the sort of joke being like, it's the kind of direct-to-video movie that he would be in. It's yeah. a well, he's well cast. Sure. There's a line, I think, where Tony says like, he's a tough motherfucker. And I always thought, if I was Daniel Baldwin, I would, you they, know, they I would take that to, home with me. That's they, good. It's Tony a really thankless, tough. I mean, it's yes, he's on the best show, you know, that had yeah. been made but at that time. But he's playing someone where you're like, it's a thankless you know, role. And they only I think got Daniel Baldwin. They yeah. had to do him a solid to like really make it worth his while. Exactly. To show him some love. Yeah. Um. So he's in the film. He plays Tony Montoya. Can you imagine? Right-hand man. Can you imagine if fucking Alec Baldwin was in this movie? I, it would be better. I would love like, you know, like maybe even five years younger Alec Baldwin. I'm trying to think, where's Alec Baldwin or, or in Or five years older. He's in a weird yeah. spot at this exact moment, but you still have to imagine. He's a big Carpenter fan. He always wanted to work with Carpenter. He like actively sought out this movie. And then it was it was scheduling problem with something else, right? Like he had probably the edge because like that was one of those movies that kind of took up too. Because that's ninety seven. Like Bart the, the Bear la- does not adjust the schedule for anyone. Exactly. He and the, you know he had just been in Ghosts of Mississippi with James Woods too. So right. they're a double act. This movie, like two weeks before it's about to start filming, is suddenly like your budget is a third of what you thought it was, and the Baldwin you have is a third <laughs> of what you thought it was. <laughs> like just Alec, we're replacing Alec with another Baldwin. I'll take Billy. It's not Billy. Steven, I can Steven, rewrite it. I, I can guess take a pass I can at the work screenplay. Is it one Steven of the Baldwins <laughs> that has that hair? Yes. Fine. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, Alec, you know, he's in Mercury Rising this year, which I think he's the sort of second lead in. Is he, he the villain is. in that? He's sort of the Colin Farrell to the Minority Report. Right, right, that right, right, right. It would be better with Alec Baldwin. I'm I not think it was say the edge that right everyone now. in this movie is, you know, well, everyone else is pretty good. Cheryl Lee is well cast. Yes. Um, I mean, the, not the greatest. Role. The problem regarding cast of this movie is not the caliber of the actors they got, but how poorly they use some of the great actors. I was going to say, I, I think the like problem whom? is. You would Daniel rather Baldwin. that someone like Mark Boone Jr. stays around for the rest of the running time rather than the rest of the movie being hinged on Daniel Baldwin. Right. And, and Tim Gunny. I mean, I don't want to be mean about that guy either. Sure. He's fun. Gwini, however you say yeah. his name. Kerry Hiroyuki Tagawa. Well, he rules. Yes. Uh, what a good fucking. What a face. Yeah. And he Presence. disappears. Yeah. Uh, but Tim, Tim Gunny, you know, he's, he's okay. It's just all of these good people being sort of misused or underused makes every time they cut back to Montoya a little more irksome because you're just like, I'm not really interested in this guy. Well, uh, for I me, I don't know. that I'm, <laughs> I'm only interested in him so far as I'm trying to figure out to what degree he should be put in jail. Uh, like once, yes. once his, and we'll get there with the plot, but like when his decision is to um, tie Cheryl Lee nude in bed, butt side up as if sheets weren't invented until the early 2000s yeah. is a choice, uh, particularly for two characters who in their five minutes of screaming together are supposedly in love. Well, and James Woods has that Faustian thing where you're like, this guy's a piece of shit. I don't like anything he's fucking doing on screen, but I can't deny he's compelling. And then when a Daniel Baldwin is playing a guy doing equally unsavory things, you're just like, yeah, I don't want to watch this anymore. Don't put this in front of me. I don't like this. There's no. Yeah. It's also the thing that he's abusive, but then kind of eventually starts to warm up to her. And it's like just, you know, the typical example of a like abusive relationship. Yes. And it's just. As much as you're like, oh, well, actually, maybe he has a little heart. I, you can't remove Not yourself sure. from like, he was just, they're treating her like basically she's just like a piece of trash. Yeah. Well, they're turning a into a lot of the movie. Turning into vampires. Well, right. She's about to turn into a vampire. And, and, therefore, she's she eventually, dead. Right. But right. also, she is still alive and technically. And pleading for And they're dragging know, her around on some the humanity. street. Yeah. yeah. It's all true. I mean, Smacking I, her around and shit. I think they're sort of, and this does not play in a way that registers as humane at all but I think they're sort of going for this idea that they've been hunting vampires for so long and, and James Wood's character himself has seen such grisly things in his own family mm-hmm. that they have sort of lost any sort of compassion for other people and uh, in the way that that is channeled in this late 90s affect it becomes that they are basically uh, the most misogynistic people alive. I, right, but, as much as this movie is not postmodern, it does have that like post-Tarantino cynicism to it. I must read this quote from Cheryl Lee about preparing to play this character. I would like to meet someone now who thinks they're a vampire. In researching for this film, there was a lot of comical stuff about them. I need the serious stuff. But yeah, it's kind of freaky to go, yeah, I'd like to meet a vampire. So Cheryl Lee... I don't think she succeeded. No. But probably made a phone call and was like, do you know anyone who like is like, I am a vampire? I'd love to talk to I mean, them. I have met people who identify as vampires. I'm surprised it was that hard to find. Maybe the 90s were just a harder time. Well, you know, no internet or later, nascent sure. internet. Who have you met who identifies as a vampire? Do you know how many fucking comic conventions I've gone to in my life? <laughs> and they're like, hello, my name is, you know, Vlad. 
Right, you made people. I am a vampire. Where you're like, oh, like nice teeth, and they're like, yeah, I hired a dental surgeon. Like people who are just like pot committed and to yet the thing. They still went to a comic con convention during the day. Wow, the that's day a good point. Did they have a black staff? Look, I I cannot or a black conjure cross? a specific memory. Or, I definitely well, you want in, a cross in the various fucking well, nerdy spheres. Was one of them Wesley Snipes? Because that would explain why they were able to go well, out in the sun. I mean. Everyone just wants to be the daywalker in these movies. It's always the plot. What if I could be Wesley Snipes? He's the only one who can walk both worlds. He can't. Well, and it's worth noting, of course, Blade comes out the same pretty much around when this movie comes out, which doesn't help this movie. This movie actually got delayed because of Blade. A lot. Yeah. Blade really just goes like, and this is the vampire movie that everyone wants to see in 1998. That's the thing. I think John Carpenter's like, yeah, I'm going to give you a gritty Western where the vampires are just kind of like trash creatures. And Blade's like, we're going to give you like a fucking MTV movie where Blade's got a cool sword and the vampires go to clubs and shit. And people are like... One yeah. ticket. Please. Not only that, it's the movie that casts like the fucking storm of just like everything's going to superheroes. We're taking a fucking it's horror right premise at the start there, yes. and we're yanking it over the line to superhero, and then everything is going to get pulled in this direction. I'd say the only middle ground in that Venn diagram is with the villains, with Thomas Ian Griffith and Stephen Dorff, for like basically giving off the same energy, but in similar yes. Yes. Um, that's yeah, different, true. Different vibes. Yeah. Um, I like Blade. I do too. As a man, fucking rules. Yes, we we talk because you rewatched them fairly recently, right? The trilogy. We could do them. You know who would have? Just that we are always dancing around. We'll do that. Who fucking ruled in the lead role of this movie is Chris Christopherson. Sure, sure. Why not? Yeah. I mean, this. I think James Woods rules in it. It's just you're thinking of all these guys who are that energy, where it's like they've been around the block, right? But they used to be hot. Now they're. You know, kind of, you know, whatever. Like, striking. Look, Pesci is the version of this movie <laughs> I most would have liked to have seen because it just would have been such an interesting object. You just want more Pesci. In the general. advantage of Woods in this is that Woods has such good comic delivery, right? Like Woods has that thing where I'm just like, why am I fucking laughing at this? That I think Pesci was able to pull off as well at his peak, where well, he's just gone like, fishing. This guy's a whatever, fucking right. psychopath. <laughs> right. Let's go on fishing. I think right? he was still fishing when they made this. That was part of the issue. <laughs> yeah. but, but more, more like in Scorsese dramas, Pesci's always so funny, and yeah. you're like, God damn it! Why is this guy fucking winning me over? He's the, a monster. The thing that, ha- and obviously the script plays a large part of this, but when you cast James Woods, this becomes a movie about what if the most loathsome person alive was yes. all that stood between us and the apocalypse. Right. Sure. Like, that's really what this film is. You're not really rooting for him. You're rooting against the Catholic You're Church. You're rooting against the church who seem bad mm-hmm. and vampires who also seem bad, but it's sort of a dark world out there is the read Yeah, it's like, vampires. this is the guy who we are counting And on. he's kind of the, like, you know, I'm the guy who fucking takes care of the things you don't want to think about type guy, right? You know, he's yeah. like, I've seen things you wouldn't believe and I'm a right. piece it's of the, shit because It's the lack of, it. of romance right. of it. It's like being a vampire hunter like, sure, you get to have these, like, orgiastic parties if you do the job right one night that don't always end well. And the right. local but, sheriff is just totally chill with yeah, it. Yeah. He's fine with it. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, but the uh, it, the job is not a romantic one. I mean, no. you get weapons. And, He's got no love interest. But it's it's No, there's, a, there's a little bit of the fucking uh, uh, you were never really here thing of just, like, this guy's, like, life is committed to a thing that sucks, that he hates, that's, like, draining the joy out of him. He's like a husk of a man who just exists on like cynicism alone. I feel like there's some other movie we've talked about where, where you have that kind of character. That vibe, yeah. They're def- uh, they're definitely where the guy is just all defensive sarcasm because it's just like, well, he's just seen too much shit. 
and he doesn't believe humanity is capable of good anymore. I mean, I, my favorite line delivery in this entire movie is James Woods at the end to Maximilian Shell saying like, you know, you're a real pile of dog shit, Cardinal, <laughs> which is just like such an incredible straight shot. And I was just like, fuck. And then he follows it up with like two more homophobic slant because yeah. I'm like a pole smoker and a fudge packer and like the next like a run on sense. But just you're a real pile of dog shit. Cardinal is such a good thing to have James Woods say to Maximilian Shell to like, yeah, right, right, like, like this August actor. actor. Yeah. The the heel. I mean, the reverse heel turn or whatever that the character takes in this movie yeah. where he just hazes the new Padre to hell and back yeah. for the better part of an hour. And then as soon as he, eh, you're all right, he's like, hey, you're, fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're a pretty good kid. Here's a buck. Go get yourself some bubble gum. There is not a line of dialogue in this movie. There is no scene where two men are speaking to each other or a man is speaking to anyone else where they are not measuring dicks. I was, there, and yes. the scene that epitomizes yes. that I guess it's iconically yeah. for me right. is when Daniel Baldwin is checking into the hotel. There should be no aggression here. He's like slightly harried about the fact that Cheryl Lee is turning into a vampire in the car, but like he's got no problem with this guy. Yeah. He goes in, he's just like, hey. And the guy's like, oh yeah, we got a room. And he's like, fuck you. <laughs> Give me the fucking key. They're all just like, <laughs> yeah, so. Okay, everyone relax. They're all so hair trigger. Um, you know, they're a little worked up because they're vampire hunters. They are. It really gets you on edge. Do you think they get vacation time? <laughs> like, You'd do have they to get... take it up with either James Woods or the Catholic Church. Right. Like, I'm take just, your pick. Who I'm do you want to ask? I'm just wondering if they have benefits. Like... I'm, I'm guessing, Ben, yeah. like, the obvious benefit they yeah. have, yeah. which I imagine was your favorite part of the movie, is their vampire hunting van. Yeah. They yeah, got a classic van full van of weird silver aluminum tech. Dude, the design of all of their shit. It's yeah, the like, it's a beautiful the design. like, um, there's like obviously just the classic right. like wood stakes that look amazing, but like that like huge like staff or yeah. whatever, like with the spike on it. Like, and then James's fucking harpoon gun. Very cool. Is so fucking cool. I was like searching. You can buy a harpoon gun. But Do once you know again, it's like and be careful. Right. <laughs> okay, sorry. You, have, you, have, you can get a crossbow just like right now. There's a space for it in your beautiful cabinet full of antique plates. You have 15 minutes of a $60 million movie. Sure. Right? Where I mean, it's yes. almost a little more uh, a Ghostbusters y. Yeah. In the sort of process of how, you know, the team operates. Yes, the argument. And, and the equipment and everything. And then it becomes, yeah. Right. The argument is, might it just be more fun to have a vampire hunter movie where it's just a bunch of guys hunting vampires? They're just the best of I mean, I believe do. the book right. has the same premise where there's the early setback. Valak yeah. appears. Yeah. People die. They have to chase them or but whatever. But I think Carpenter had to make the setback more devastating. Yeah. To fit this movie the, certainly yeah. slows down. Yes. I'm not going to deny it. Sure. But uh, also, anytime the vampires are in sunlight, it's like, <laughs> and then they, they explode. But the do you thing remember about, that? I, I, I remember do. That. I do and, remember and that. And if you stab them, you have to be like, ah! Do you remember that? I really enjoy I it. It really that. feels like a jetliner is taking off in someone's arm every time they are exposed to sunlight. Yeah. Which is a great look. It's and great look. Uh, if Ben, if you could incorporate that into like day-to-day -day fashion. There's <laughs> just plumes of just little cones of fire. Of, of fire? All times, yeah. It God. was an effect they worked hard on. They were like, we want the combustion to be unique. Looking. If anyone like, can we do it, I'm yeah. sure it's you. I think I could come up with something there. Yeah. Right. Workshop yeah. that for, <laughs> for, yeah. for later. Okay. But it, this is, is a movie when you look at the budget that they ran with, the $20 yes. million, dollars, I have to say, I'm like, where is it? 
like how I, I don't even see the twenty million dollars on screen here. I was agree. James Woods like fifteen mil for this? Was he uh, at those I, Jim Carrey I, numbers I, these I, days? I think. I think Carpenter has gotten, I don't want to say sloppy, but he used to be so good at maximizing every dollar and putting everything on screen. And the best it thing is, about him, It right. is very easy if your movie costs like more than $6 million to then cost $20 million, which is just sort of like bloat and, and sort of laziness and lack of oversight or whatever, you know, uh, where I just think it costs more money because it costs more money. You know, like they were just like, it's this type of movie. And he's like, okay, I'll just like kick back and let things go rather than being very strategic about like, where can I save a nickel here and reapply it there? I wonder if all the money went into the fire. I mean, very well, in possibly. Which case, yeah. Worth it. yeah. I forgot to mention this. Yeah. And this may reflect poorly on John Carpenter, but mm-hmm. whatever. Okay. His quote is, one of the things I liked the most about making vampires is I was hanging out with the bad boys, James Woods and Daniel Baldwin. This was a fun movie to make. The bad boys. The bad <laughs> three years after the original bad boys. I'm look, I'm very relieved that that quote ends when it does. <laughs> yeah, it's not uh, like I don't, don't like, want to hear it. We would go more. to bars and get in a lot of trouble. Like, it's not that bad, but he is sort of like, those are some bad boys. Because right. when right. I watch it's, this it, movie, it, it's no, it, no question about it. Jeffrey enjoys his personal life. Uh, yeah, it's not that bad. I mean, it just feels like the toxic energy that was wafting off of this set. It to me, it feels like I would rather be on the set of like fucking uh, Heart of Darkness or like Persaud's La Soufrière. But I would say that what you're describing, I would say adds to the, you know, uh, je ne sais quoi of vampires. It is a movie that feels like it smells terrible. Exactly. Mm. Yes. The bad boy. It smells like cigars. It kind of smells like your uncle. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just picturing like Brendan Fraser and Bedeviled being transported. He's like, I wish I could be on a John Carpenter set. And he gets there and he sees like the vampires and the the weapons. And he's like, Yeah, it's amazing. And then he sees fucking James Woods walk out. And he's like, No, Elizabeth Hurley, you foiled me again. Daniel Baldwin. Um, They should have fucking just run with it and had this poster be Woods Baldwin. Because the poster also, all the guys (laughs) are kind of in silhouette. They might have been able to trick them. Just Woods, Baldwin, no first names. I'm looking at what he's got going on. He's, well, boss baby. He's right. considering the source. Well, right, he played your daughter. He's considering the source. Um, he apparently is in something called Supercell. Okay. Sounds sure. like a disaster movie. Um, right, he was in Dr. Death. That's the thing. Right. That's the thing. Now actors will be in whole miniseries that right. appeared on some, that one's Peacock. Yeah. Where like a friend of mine will be, did you watch Dr. Death? And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, right. And they're like, Alec Baldwin, Christian Slater, you know, like, Isn't and there I'm a like third what? person. The poster is three. Joshua Jackson. Yeah. He's Dr. Death. Yeah. Uh, and like, and it's about a real guy who, the doctor who killed people. It's like based a, podcast on a podcast series. And I'm yeah. like, this all happened? Every like, time I walk by one of those subway ads, it feels like threat level midnight or some shit. Like, I'm just like, this isn't real. It feels like something that came out or was supposed to come out at the start of the pandemic and they yes. just left the posters up and yeah. became vaporware. It's so bizarre. Yeah. Um, Baldwin would be better. Even tired Baldwin. We yeah. agree with that. Um, yeah, and I think he would have relished not having to be the, the dude. What I was going to say is, imagine Baldwin playing this with the energy of Married to the Mob, which was the movie where everyone went like, whoa, who the fuck is this guy? And then when they put him into the leading roles, he got a little dulled. But but he's still good. Married to the Mob, he has the charisma, he's got the danger, he's a little scary, he plays his death really well. Right, I'm just like, 
imagine him being, I don't know. I don't know. Harry, no, no, Harry no, chest representation is increasingly rare these days, and it is something I appreciate. Especially like, God, I love Daniel Craig. I think he's great. I've been so happy smooth. to see him play James Bond. He's smooth, smooth like chest. a fucking shark. Yeah. And then you throw on Tomorrow Never Dies and there's a forest on Pierce's chest. What we need a beautiful is, forest. is for the next James Bond to be Dan Hedaya. Yeah, <laughs> of course. I, I think I've told, I don't know if I shared this anecdote on the podcast. I what? realized deep in the pandemic mm. that Dan Hedaya lives like two blocks away from me. Shit. Shit. And I was at like this little like hole in the wall sort of uh, takeout place, like sitting outside on a park bench. And uh, Hidea, I saw him walk out of his apartment building from the front door. And I was like, is that Dan Hidea? He got closer. He walked in. He picked up his lunch. He walked away. Mm -hmm. And I was like, holy shit, Dan Hidea. And I fully recognized him immediately from across the street while wearing a fucking face mask. But he was shirtless. So that's what what gave it away. Ehrlich, he had two layers on. He had a tight collar, but the way the hair was spilling out. It, it's, you always see it. It's I like it's just peeking. It was incredible. Like, there was just no doubt in my mind that it was Hidea, and it was because of the fucking, it was the necklace. It was the fur necklace coming around the collar and the eyebrows where I was like, that is unmistakably Dan Hedaya. We can never lose him. They should do we like- never <laughs> He's 81 it. years old. I won't, I won't let him go. He should donate his hair to someone like Jerry Orbach's eyes. You can see an ad on the subway that's like someone now is walking around with a full hair of head. Right. He's one, of, also, one inch one shoulder. One of, <laughs> one of our great Jews who plays Jewish people sometimes, but plays Italian people all the time. Yeah. Because you're the just totalis. like- Exactly. You're like, oh, that guy's Italian, right? Yeah. But he's not. He's not. He's not. He's Jewish. He's uh, not. David, you have a hairy chest. <laughs> um, a wonderfully hairy. Wait, you're, uh, you're, add, add it to the blank. Pay it, the blank check. Wiki piece. Absolutely. You told me the other day what your son likes to call your arms. Uh, oh yes. What does um, he call your arms? Yes. So we read Pat the Bunny. Uh, Great which, book. Which is a it's a phenomenal book. And there's a page in Pat the Bunny that makes me laugh every single time that my almost two year old son obviously doesn't understand. Where it says like it asks the child to scr- touch daddy's scratchy face. Um, and if you say to Asa, touch daddy scratchy face, he will stop whatever he's doing and like run his fingers across my face. Right. And, and it's you like, can say, it's like touch- a fucking nail file, yeah. right? Like the texture in the book it itself, is. Uh, yes, which it is, is how my face feels for half of every week, uh, much to my wife's great chagrin. And then you can say, touch daddy's scratchy arms. He calls he it will, daddy's uh, scratchy arms. He will rub his arms. I, I mean, found really, that very daddy's cute. scratchy anything. Although my arms are more fluffy than scratchy. You got fluffy I arms. Say. I just like good. calling it daddy's scratchy arms. Damn right. Daddy's that could be the name of a Asa. fucking hipster bar. Ace is so... My, I watched the video of him declining to hug you and <laughs> taking the, one the keys. You it's to? so funny. Just for schadenfreude? Um, keys. Keys. And you're like, can I get a hug? And he goes, no. <laughs> and give him the keys. Only wants the keys. Yeah. Uh, kids, man. Gotta yeah. love him. He's Something that... Uh, yeah, I agree. <laughs> Jack Crow never got the chance to have. Is that uh, the character from Vampires? What a great name sure Jack is. Crow it's is. It's James in quotes, Jack. Apparently it's well, John, actually. Whatever. And yeah. Team Crow? James Woods. Isn't that... James they Woods call her. themselves Team Crow? I mean, pretty cool name for a team. Yeah, pretty cool ask name. ask me. For, for yeah. a vampire hunting team? Yeah, pretty cool. We're not going to go into the plot of this movie, I don't think. I mean... Here's the plot of the movie. They hunt vampires. The, the, the fucking Catholic Church is like, this vampire is really bad. Then they the original realized they didn't find like, the the, what do they call it? The grandfather of the group or whatever. The master. I the believe. master. Yes. So they go on this larger mission, but the master kills like fucking most of his men. Bollock. And they assign him this junior priest who tells Kingdom. him that the problem is that he's got a cross. 
Yeah, he's, he's trying, he wants he's, to get a cross that will make him immortal exactly. and able to walk during the day. He's he trying to become a original vampire. He is Valak. He's the original vampire. Go ahead, Ben. I just wanted to say that every yeah. time he meets somebody, he beats them up and like throws them out of a car like immediately. Yeah. <laughs> the scene with the that scene is amazing. It's fucking crazy. He just met this guy. It's because everyone keeps accusing him of doing cocaine. <laughs> the other he will not tolerate. The that. other funny thing is he's called Valak, which is like a demon name from yeah. like a, the lesser key of Solomon or like, you know, which is then the name that the conjuring two uses for the nun. Oh, right. And the crooked man, like the villain of that right, movie. Right. Right. But it's like they're all it's just both times I think they're just like, that's a cool name. Yeah. Like, it has nothing it's to do with name. vampires or nuns. Right. The, I also love that he just had a trading card made in the thirteen hundreds of himself. Yeah. yeah. You know? He was fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, he was ahead of the game. He was Watch ahead of the game. For, he was making merch he's before played, any of us. Played by what's Thomas Eames, who's very tall. Yeah. And fairly imposing. Is that not the same name as the kid from... Thomas E. Nichols. There you go. Thomas okay. E. Nichols is the rookie confused. of the year, correct? Right. He was our Pitchers rookie of the year. He was a kid in King Arthur's oh, Court, and then he, of course, butt. is the most compelling character in the American Pie saga. I can't tell you how many times I deliberately broke my arm as a 12-year-old, just hoping that I would <laughs> magically become an all-star yeah. pitcher. Wait, in American Pie, he is he with Tara Reid? Yes. Correct. And he is very much the character that you can tell was intended to be the lead of the movie and right. everyone else pops more than him. They do. And he just sticks around the whole franchise and never really has anything to do. I think they drop him in three. He may not even be in three. I do remember that because Tara Reid... Oh, no, 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 he's in three. He's in three. Klein is dropped in three. Yes. Sorry. Oh, Klein is dropped in because he couldn't unknown, recover. I think well, Street Fighter The Legend of He was too hot. Him in. I, I, I watched wanted... all four of them in one night recently. There's a... F- what's the four? Reunion. Reunion, baby. Oh, three is Hayden wedding. Schlossberg, right? Yes. Three is wedding. Um, and but, I believe they made direct to video ones in between three and four. And they are it was not just canon. like, we're, we're not back. Canon. Correct. Book Correct. Of love. But yeah. Thomas E. Nichols, mile. you can tell like everyone else has their role and he's supposed to be like the center force. There's the reason that he's the one who gets like the advice from fucking Casey Affleck and he's just the most boring character. And and by well, from, by American Wedding, they're just like we have no idea who this guy is. Well, like from, we have nothing to do with. From him. what I remember of American Pie, of course, the four the four boys want to lose their virginity. They do. That is in and, fact and, the central conflict. And uh, Jason Biggs loses it to uh, Shannon Elizabeth. No, no, she, to Allison Hannigan. Allison Hannigan, right, right, right. right. Sorry, sorry. He okay. Blows it with Nadia. Uh, um, uh, well, you know, again, uh, Finch, Finch is it? Finch loses his loses virginity to, to Jennifer Stifler's Coolidge. mom, Jennifer right. Coolidge. Right. Um, Chris Klein loses it to nobody. Nope. They decide not to. Him and Mina Suvari. They just lay in each other's arms and watch the sunrise and realize it's. not And important. here's what I was getting to: Thomas E. Nicholas loses it to Tara Reid, but their sex scene is that they're kind of lying awkwardly on each other, and she's he's like, "Does this hurt?" And she's like, "Yeah, a little bit," and yeah. it's like a honest depiction of teenage virginity. Right, loss, but he's also so he's supposed to be the exactly, straight man protagonist. Like, they give him the one right. where it's like, and this is what it's really, you're not going to fuck your friend's mom on a pool table. It's just going to be kind of like, you okay? And she's like, yeah. I mean, and the whole know, movie like, is the like, hand wringing of like, I don't know if I feel this way and this and that. Obviously, I'm going to spend the rest of my life with him. And after they sleep together, it, there's like this moment that I think is actually executed very well where it right. becomes very clear for both of them of just like, we're never going to date ever again. Exactly. This is the end. So that's the whole thing where I'm like that, and our friend Chris White. It's it's, that it's the white sensitivity. That's, that's like where you that, feel it. And yeah. then, of course, audiences walk out and they were like, "Number one guy, guy who fucked the pie, <laughs> guy who fucked Stipler's mom, right. the, the the sort of guy from election snob, he was okay." And those are the main characters, Stifler. right? Yeah, right. Like, it's, like, <laughs> it's just funny, and then the, he exists. The, the Eastern European lady, right. <laughs> right? Right, and then his role in the second movie is. Uh, it's that, that he and Tara Reid dating someone else now and he's just that they still like each other or something well yeah. it's no, they're broken it's up the, man, it's right. the yeah. follow through of 
you are what's, what's way me? too hot and advanced for me. Yes. And now we're going to see the real world implications of that when you come back to this party with it's your college It's funny boyfriend. that he right. just becomes less and less centralized. In who's, each who's the one? Who, Sherman. Yeah. The Shermanator. He Remember sleeps that? with Nadia. I watched all four of them in Remember one the night I mean, fucking five months ago when my gallbladder was exploding. Shermanator was an icon. The same actor stole the gumball machine at the end of Can't Hardly Wait. Uh, one of the, He's fucking incredible. Can't Hardly Angus. Wait. Wait, in what? Angus, my beloved Angus. Oh, you love Angus, right? I've never seen Angus. Oh, David. <laughs> oh, like, have you seen Angus? Angus? Yeah, I lived Angus, baby. Angus I, rules. I, uh, yeah, I mean, that was, I was real, as you would say, deep in the pocket yeah. in all of, I wish I could remember that actor's name. His face will forever be etched in my memory. Uh, um, Angus or the no, Shermanator? No, the Shermanator. His fucking name um, is, uh, why? But if he was in something, me. I was there opening up. night. Uh, uh, Chris. Chris Owen. Thank you. Oh, of course, yeah. Um, Aside from Eugene Levy, the only actor to appear in the direct-to-video spinoff American Pies. In any of them. He is in... What's uh, his character's name camp. again? Wait, are you Terminator? No, no, um, Eugene Levy. Uh, Jim's dad. Oh, right, of course. <laughs> are, are you implying that the direct-to-video American Pie sequels were just a one-man movie of Jim's dad? Well, he's in and all And then there was them. just one other actor, and it was Chris Owen, and one they were sometimes doing One of them is like Secret Honor. Commander. One of them is just Jim's <laughs> right. dad just, on the eve of his retirement from whatever job he does. with like an old copy of Jim's penthouse. Yeah, just in being, his office, yeah. spiraling out, <laughs> dealing with being an empty nester. Talking about his Uncle Norm, who used to whack it six times a day. That's another weird thing. They they make the parents be divorced in reunion that they split up at some point so sure. that so that Jim's dad can fuck Stifler's mom. That's like the big Was his mom it's Jane like Kazmarek or Kong versus Godzilla. I think that's right. It's Jane Kazmarek. No, no, no. no. I want to say it? it's Molly Cheek from its Gary Shandling show. Jane Kazmarek is the mom in Pleasantville. Yes. Uh, let's see. Jim's mom is played by Molly Cheek. Thank you. Go, from, go what did you say? It's Gary Shandling. It's Gary show. Shandling show. And then uh, Harry and the Hendersons. Yeah, good. Paul Griff. Um, now, uh, that's why you get the Schmodown's money. American I watched that whole pint. thing the other day, by the way, and I never had a doubt in my mind. I mean, no, no disrespect to we Josh, a lovely man, Schmodown. but yeah. I didn't know what a Schmodown was. So yeah. I, I had to watch it while Ace ate dinner and Griff just dismantled that. I dismantled Josh like he was a piece of Ikea furniture. He was ready to put on I the street. I didn't feel good you know? about it. Um, <laughs> I didn't feel good. Yeah, you did a great job. Um, can you, uh, much like the Baldwin Challenge, the American Pie Direct-to-Video Challenge, give me the American Pie Direct-to-Video sequels in order. Fuck. Okay, I'm going to try. And this, of course, is a very, very focused episode on James Carpenter, John Carpenter's vampire. We do have more. James I do love James I, I got Carpenter. John Carpenter's more talking vampires. points there. Okay, uh, American Pie, American Pie Two, American Wedding. Yeah, sure. Then I think, fuck, I think the first direct. Technically, this is the American Pie Presents series. That's what it's right. Called. I think the first direct video one is Bandcamp. Correct. This okay. one time at Bandcamp. Okay. Then I think the next one is Naked Mile. They dared run it. Okay. The naked mile so itself. Is, is three Book of Love? No, of course. Three was the most outrageous slice of pie, according to this video cover, Beta House. Wow. <laughs> I have an envelope right here. I want and to then, it. <laughs> and then they dared. Bug Hall is the star of the Book of Love. Okay. They opened the book. That's the one. It's the book that fucking Casey Affleck hid that tells you how to have sex. Apparently someone gets sodomized by a moose in that one. And then, of course, finally, 
What? Girls American rule? Pie. Girls rules? Right. Wait a second. This the was, girls have rules? I don't, I don't really This was the post. No, it was the post. It's post me too? <laughs> yes. I swear to you, this was like fucking two years ago. It is. It's this, 2020. Yes. This was oh not even two years ago. I like this how was the Me post- Too thought was like, we're not just going to not make more American Pie movies. It's Eugene like, Levy, no, the phone rings. Them. He lets it ring. He's like, I got that shit's Greek money now. He hasn't been in they thought reunion was gonna restore it to fucking theatrical like grace and then like three years later they give up and go like let's just do the book smart version of american pie where now it's nerdy girls trying to lose their virginity um but i think someone weird either directed or wrote that movie it's clint eastwood oh right uh mike elliott directed it does not look weird uh written by david h steinberg who wrote the screenplay for American Pie 2. I don't think it's that guy. And Blaine Weaver. Maybe uh, this is completely in my head. Might be in your head. Yeah, um, I don't know. Not getting anything here. Anyway, back to vampires. Yeah. Can we talk about Cheryl Lee for a second? Yeah. There is. Uh, Bye, Ben's ben. putting on ben a jacket. Ben's out of here. <laughs> there is. Uh, Ben's leaving his own home. Yep. Um, American protest. Pie. <laughs> the Naked Mile. American uh, Pie presents it. Ben Leaves. <laughs> <laughs> but she is really tapping into some of the firewalk with me energy here of like being, like expressing the trauma that was instilled. I don't want to. I know. No, I completely far, agree with you. That same sort of like jaw unhinged internal scream energy to her performance here she's that I think John Carpenter must have keyed into knowing that she could. I, I mean, I will read his line about her. He had seen. Twin Peaks. She has a really unique quality about her. I like people who are not exactly on the nose. They're a little tweaked. Sandy King, the producer, puts it as, she looks like an angel with dirty wings. She's a mature woman. So many heroines this days, these days are just girls. Cheryl is all woman. I like how Jay, John, John put it more than uh, Sandy King. But, yeah. uh, but it is that, yes, she's haunted. Like, And that's why she's so good in Twin Peaks as well. Like, She feels haunted. Like, It feels like you're like, What's going on with this person beyond like, oh, it's the prom queen. You, like, should, tweet, pretty. you should tweet that Cheryl Lee is all woman and just see how that goes. Yeah, well, she is fun. all woman. She's she's wonderful. I'm I, sorry. I this, I, the last thing I need to say about this, but I was just trying to figure out why I had a weird memory about this. The story is that they green light American Pie presents. It was supposed to be called East Great Falls. And it was just like back to basics, four dudes trying to lose their virginity. The twist is they all like the same girl, right? right? Then they do American Reunion instead. They're like, put those fucking DTV movies on a shelf. And then when American Reunion underperforms, they bring it back. But now they're like, it's post me too. We have to rewrite and flip the genders. That's an incredible premise for a movie, though. The idea that like a high school movie about four guys who all like the same girl. I actually don't know if I've seen... It's not that movie, especially if you put it in like a modern context of them trying to uh, accommodate for each other's feelings of being somewhat gracious, but also being horny teenagers. But now it's four girls who all like the same guy. (laughs) I got a script to write. What is that? Pie. A guy fucks a pie. That's a movie. That's what Spike Lee said about it. You never forget your first slice. You never do. Uh, that's a great film. I saw it at the sneak preview. I literally had in my calendar American Pie 2 circled the day that it came out. Oh, definitely. In August, a few years Huge. later, these were very... Uh, he glues his hand yeah. to his dick. We all went one. I mean, I'm a couple years younger. The, fact the, that, the filibustering I did for a full year to get to see that thing in theaters, and I, I, I failed. The fact yeah. that Chris White's is sort of like in this greater circle is as if like a god we, I've, I've down to him about I mean, American Pie 2. We ask him times. all the time, and he clearly is just kind of like, I don't know. <laughs> Guys, I made it. It was like a 22-day 
I really <laughs> wanted to just have a film be produced. This is what fucking Richard Brickman tells me every time I knock on his door. And I'm like, can we talk risky business, Mr. Brickman? And he's just like, go away. That was the funniest thing when we... When we did, I think it was the Les Kosh episode, which was like our first time ever meeting him, right? Possibly, yeah. And he was like, man, this movie, I just can't believe like the amount of sex scenes. I wouldn't know what to do. I'd be so awkward on set with all this. And you're like, you directed American Pie. And he was like, oh, right. I kind of blocked that out. (laughs) I had to direct pie fucking and shit. Multiple takes. There's well, there's two kinds of like pie eight sequences. I mean, for like, as retrograde as those movies seem now, I will say, speaking to our earlier point, that nothing stuck with me well. more yeah, from I, that movie than that sort of emotional core, that bittersweet feeling between Kevin and Vicky. I, I you know, no, yeah, the Kevin first one has a, a little bit. I Kevin think that first one holds shit, up, but like yeah. surprisingly well, all considered. The Shannon Elizabeth stuff does not hold up. There is stuff that right. holds up. Oh, oh no, no. Right. so much of that movie doesn't but, hold up. But, but, like, but you imagine things. it's all going to be that. And right. instead there's like 50% of it that like plays pretty well still. Right. right. And yeah. then the rest of them are absolute dog shit, I assume. Uh, yeah. Like are they, I've never seen wedding or reunion, but they're bad. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Chill. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. You can even point to like certain incidents in the original American Pie that sort of pass the smell test. Now it's just sometimes an overall flavor. There's a sensitivity. It's, it's, it's sensitivity dialogue scenes it. that, and that and right the set PC stuff that people remember is the stuff that ages less well, and the sequels become all. What could end up in this? Who could put that there by accident? <laughs> You know, it's like, it's all reverse engineering. Where's like, Jim's dick going? Right. <laughs> Who can walk in on what? What's Jim going to fuck next? That could have been the direction for it, but it was really more just like, it isn't about the the vaginas we meet. It's about the friends we make along the it's way. It's the friends sort of you make along the way. What is, if you just make it pie fuckers and that's the whole thing? That's to be the reboot. John Carpenter's the reboot pie is <laughs> American Pie presents John Carpenter's pie fuckers. <laughs> 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 he what read are, the script and he went, this is a Western. It's basic. It's Howard down. Hawks. Some men roll into town. There's some pies that need to be fucked. I think Hawks would. This, it's all over then. <laughs> Someone's going to fuck this pie. I wanted Pesci to play the lead. Um, are there any other? I wanted Pesci. I, I got fucked this pie. Can we get Pesci? He's gone fishing. Ah, what a terrible excuse. I'm serious. He's making a movie called Gone Fishing. It was written by J.J. Abrams. He couldn't turn it down. Yes, go ahead. What? No, I'm just thinking back to John Carpenter's Vampires. Mm-hmm. Yeah, any more notes uh, there? We really did cover the bases. Maximum Shell. We should has... talk about the final reveal, which I like, which mm-hmm. is that this, the I mean, what, what is his title? He's a cardinal. He's cardinal a cardinal. Oliva. Right, of course. He's a pile of dog shit. He is a pile of dog shit as well, of course. He, he has made a Faustian bargain, a deal with the devil, as he says, with afraid Follett, of dying. Because as he's getting up there in age... And death is creeping around the corner. He realizes that the epiphany is not coming. The word of God. Sure. The sign. The His, light. Yes. 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 He has yes. a total crisis of faith and decides, I'm terrified of death. What I want is to never die. And if Valak turns into this super vampire, he can turn me into a super vampire or something like that. Right. I don't have to worry about sundowning. Uh, and yeah. uh, luckily, Tim Guinea has a great idea for how to deal with that. Shoot him in the back with a shotgun. Yeah. The bullets explode his back. Yeah. And blood goes everywhere. Uh-huh. But no, I agree with you. I like the I uh, like that the double cross. Yeah, and I like that James Woods is the one with integrity, but he's also this like totally poisoned person. I also like that that it's rooted in this sort of like there's nothing, like the existential terror of like I see now there's nothing. This is it. What have I committed my life to? 
Um, and uh, I also like that James Woods gets strung up on a cross and almost burned. I think yeah. that's cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, did you like David the like? And they don't do a lot of this, but I felt like this was something I, I was assuming you would have vibed with. Is like the priest like alludes to like there's like archives of vampire hunter history. Mm. I found that to be really an interesting thing. I love that idea. The presidium. Big books, exactly. All that nonsense. But that he's gone through and there's like this whole tradition. It almost kind of seemed to me like, especially when part of the ritual for the vampires is they needed to get a hunter's blood. It's almost like, sure. it's like in his blood mm. that he's a vampire hunter yeah. or some shit. You love know? that shit. Yeah. yeah. I love that shit too. Yeah. I mean, well, no, go on. Cause I am coming into this conversation midstream. After That's fine. Feeding. Chad Stahelski plays. You're coming in midstream hey, after David. dropping your hey, own. Come on, what are you doing? It's on my David. floor. <laughs> hey, it's the hell. Oh, nice Don't cross him. Sorry. I know it's a tomb, but come on. <laughs> Chad Stahelski plays one of the masters at the end. Sure does. Oh, that's cool. Um, the one major beef I have with this movie, major, uh, almost a deal breaker, right. is that when they talk about the like concentric circles that the vampires have been hunting in, mm. looking yeah. for something, there's no shot of that. They don't do it. Like they didn't movies, have an extra listen, forty million when, bucks when, when they fucking invented like circles movies, come cheap. They could only afford a rectangle. <laughs> you know, Edison and Eastman. You know, not I guess not inventing movie, but at the real beginning of it got together and they were like, we have one hard and fast rule for this medium, which is that when you talk about something hunting in patterns, you have to realize slowly when you look at the pins in the math, sure. you pull out and you see the shape that it's it makes circle. is a fucking pentagram or whatever. Right. You just want the map. Yeah, I want the Here's, map. I want that map, map would baby. be cool. Here's the effect I did like, though, that's very mm. simple. is them coming out of the ground yeah. all covered in dirt. Yeah, oh, cool. my God. That yes. shit is yeah. cool. Dude, that is cool. And, and apparently it was like simple... a nightmare to shoot because they had to like bury them. Right, that's the way right. you do that. You just bury some You just bury some motherfuckers. All of their genes are buried, really. Think about it. Oh, that's a good point. Shit. You're actually if they're wearing jeans. Then. Also, their DNA is buried. Those mm. jeans, but it's right. part of the the unromantic animalistic approach to the character, which is like they're literally spending their daytime either in a decrepit cellar or in the, the earth. Now, not dirt. to nitpick, but I, how do you bury yourself? Mm. Do you I know, know vampire I mean? powers? I guess that's yeah. true. I guess you're right. You're right. Yeah. And that is a question. Settle. Settle. I feel like a lot of production meetings with Carpenter went just like that. With Carpenter to be like, uh, vampire powder. They, they, they have claws. They're like gophers. You know what I'm saying? Like they're digging themselves in like a little fucking gopher. Right, but then how do you bury yourself and then but you go make like it this? Look, you, yeah, I, I don't, don't know. know. I don't fucking know. How do gophers do Guys, it? test it out at home. Tell us how it goes. Yeah. I do, I do love this summary of the Siskel and Ebert review. Siskel showered Woods with praise. You've got James Woods spouting off. He jacks up this picture so that it never lags. Ebert conceded that the movie may qualify as a guilty pleasure. So I'm just imagining Siskel just absolutely like firing a gun in the air. And Ebert's like, yeah, it's okay. Well, and it's like one of the last episodes that Siskel ever, ever did. But was he was he sick at the time? Yeah, because this is the big pig in the city. He sounds very. uh, He dies beginning in 99. The, one of the last episodes he ever did was their annual memo to the Academy where they say, here are the things that shouldn't be forgotten, where he made the impassioned plea that James Wood should be considered for best actor. That was not a joke we were making. That's one of the final statements Gene Siskel left us with. And it was Bay also, Pig in the City is the best right, film in 1998 and James Wood should one. get nominated for best actor. Yeah. Goodbye. 
Um, it's, so on his, it's on his tombstone. It's like, here lies the James Woods Oscar hopes for yeah. 1998. Should have been considered. Uh, but there is there is a feeling that I get with some Carpenter movies where it's so close to having a little bit more meat on its bones, which seems a little antithetical to the Carpenter approach. But it's like, had this movie been, I don't know, maybe a five, $5 million more than it needed or 15 minutes longer in some ways, they could have leaned a little bit more into the I, mythology around it. They sure. could have had more of an arc of Woods at sort of the but end of everything, the I agree with you. And I haven't felt that way about the other Carpenter movies right. we're watching, uh, especially watching them on order. I, I've just gained a greater appreciation. But this is one where I'm like, could have gone a little harder, a little deeper, a little more specific. It's a very fun movie. It's entertaining. It's cool. Uh, there are interesting ideas in it. And it's that Carpenter thing of like, yes, we're sort of like, we'd like it to go deeper, but you do sort of admire the purity of like, you know yeah. what? He told a genre story. Sure. You know, beginning to and end. And there's more and goofy fun to this, obviously, the than theater. like right. Village of the Damned or memoirs. Or, right. A lot more energy. Like, a lot more energy. There's energy. As much as the movie feels stuck between having a mythology and really just being very pared down to straightforward, can you imagine a modern film even if it weren't a part of a larger franchising of franchise having this much mythology that it encapsulates in five minutes of maximilian no. shell being like no. yeah there are vampires you heard about that and now i'm uh, one of them i'm gonna be one of them now like yeah that's it's really here's 600 years of history uh that we're gonna condense into like oh the cologne cell was wiped out I mean, that's like, the thing. I found this movie a little underwhelming just because we've been spoiled by watching all these fucking Grey Carpenter movies for the last couple of months. But I did run the thought experiment about, like, what if Screen Gems released this in January? I would fucking right. lose my goddamn mind and be like, have you seen this fucking thing? Absolutely. This rips. If this was just, like, a Lionsgate dump. And I'd like him. I mean, he can do whatever he wants. But we're coming up on the ward, and I'm not excited for the ward. Me neither. And I would like him to just actually sneakily make a movie called, like, you know, Blood Dudes. John Carpenter's Ghost. Like, just picking John that Carpenter's up. John Carpenter's Blood right. Dudes. Wow. You, know, and <laughs> you just came up with that? Yeah, I did. All right. I literally just Hold came up with that. Hold on a second. That just, like, hearts like, in his eyes. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Uh, and it comes out in January. Could, yeah. the, could the dudes, could the S have a, could it be a dollar sign, <laughs> sure. David? Is that okay? Sure. All right. Well, I'm do you really need to do Blood Dude as the original and then Blood Dudes with a dollar sign as the sequel? Right. The Carpenter's like, I got no involvement It costs two $200 million. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's just, the exact thing. Yeah. You, you wish they just let him make a little a little Blumhouse. Just a little fun one. A little Blumhouse and release it in the winter and let's all like, just have modest expectations for it, but I, let the guy have some fun. I like Halloween Kills more than most people because people really hate that Still movie. Still haven't seen it. Whereas yeah. I am very, you know, I think it's a movie with a lot of problems. Mm -hmm. Um, But I have to imagine the Carpenter watches it. I really want to know what he thinks while he's like, you know, doing his cool scores, right? He had a quote like two years ago when it was originally supposed to come out where he's like, I really like it. I think it's really gnarly. They really went for it. For the... the For uh, kills. Oh, for kill. Well, it is really gnarly. I do think he likes that. He had a quote about, right. to that effect where he was like, I like that this is the hardest anyone's gone. But there's one of these movies. There's a subplot in Halloween But maybe kills. that's him trying to find something nice. Right. I don't exactly. know. Maybe I don't that's know. him being nice. Sure. But like, there's a subplot in Halloween. Have you seen Halloween Kills? Nope. I haven't seen the previous Evil, Halloween. Evil Dies Tonight. I'm all good. Evil Dies Tonight. Uh, where uh, it gets a little more highfalutin and has a bit of a sort of comment to make on, sure. on current society. And I just wonder if Carpenter watches that it, and was like, yeah. 
Is the you moral know, uh, you shouldn't stab people to death? The moral, there's just a whole thing with a Don't mob. Don't ruin it, because I'm going to see it. Where it, 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 it has mob some, justice. Yeah, where it's shit. like, sure. you know, are we the real enemies? And I'm like, Michael Myers is out there <laughs> gouging right. people's eyes. Sure, evil. <laughs> like, maybe you should form a mob. I will also say I heard that David Gordon Green shot a very different ending, and Blumhouse had to like sit him down and go like, I see what you were trying to do. It's very interesting. It doesn't work. That's, uh, we'll let I, you have control over the rest of the movie, but you have to shoot a more conventional ending. I am very intrigued to hear. Do you know what? It, do you know? Do you know what? The I know other nothing ending about was? it. Okay. I know nothing about it. I just know that that was the thing where he said the to him, "Like of it, the movie really, is a little jarring." I, all yes. I know is that Blum sat him mm. down and was like, "I really respect what you were trying to do, but it doesn't work, and you need to do something that delivers traditionally." I appreciate the ambition, but you didn't execute it, and that I think whatever that ending was going to be is going to be on the eventual. I would check that out. I I would be interested to check that out. But it does feel a little bit like a movie where it's like, are you trying to make a gnarly homage to Halloween sequels that's just violence and Michael Myers? Or are you trying to tell me something here? Pick one. Don't try and do both. Right. And then uh, I think Blum was just like, just do the gory, scary ending. Uh, it's also very concerning that all the recent interviews, David Gordon Green's like, yeah, the third movie is going to touch on like COVID and the election fraud. And like, look, I'm not concerned about that. No, Michael like, Myers goes to the January yeah. 6th insurrection. He's like, no, no, I think this one's going to be like really topical. We're going to be able to talk about things that have happened since the last one came out. And I'm like, I'm like, fine, make that movie, dude. Because like, I'm like, sure. Are you going to make just another movie where Michael Myers kills people? I'd go see it. Okay. But I'm like, do you want to make some kind of wacky shit that will probably suck, but at least it'll be like, remember that one? Like, I'm it, kind of into it. It is just wild. And obviously it was just like too much fucking money. But like, I think everyone would have been pretty comfortable with that being the last Laurie Strode movie and that works as like a legacy. Even the people who like it less are like, that works as a bookend to the sure. original and then film. It made, it's such a huge hit that they're like, we're coming back, baby. Right, right. And right, now he's right, just making yeah. these two more weird continuing Halloween old woman Well, I mean, I don't, we don't have to keep talking about this, but I mean, the weirdest thing is that all three were supposed to take place on the same night. Right. As the, you know, this one takes place yep. on the same night as the last one. Right. But now he's like, because of COVID, we couldn't shoot the third one. Right. They were going to shoot So now it will be set four years later. Yeah. And you're like, okay, that's uh, pretty different. Right. What's your but, plan? But then he <laughs> frames it as, which is great, because now I get to talk about and then I'm the like, Rona. About COVID. And I'm like, all right. What an opportunity. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, Michael Myers, mask compliance through the roof. <laughs> yeah, the guy wears a mask. It's true. I, I honestly don't know how he breathes. But he, he breathes also, pretty heavily. He he yeah. also often keeps his distance until he doesn't. Until uh, he's right. right on you. He's like 40 feet away or he's like <laughs> two <laughs> he inches away. He likes to watch. He likes to watch. Vampires. Any vampires. more vampires? vampires. Dollar sign. Uh, That's so my, what happens uh, short movie. They, they go, they hunt vampires. They have their last stand. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I like that they called the underlings goons. Yeah. That's a fun specific. Yeah. It's really good. I like that it's like a workplace like you know what I mean? This is a shorthand for that kind of thing. It ends with him letting fucking Daniel Baldwin, Cheryl Lee get a two-day okay. head start on him. Yeah, because they're turning into vampires. No, but yeah, what, that no. is all incredible. And <laughs> in that, I, like, it's unbelievable in that I do not honestly believe what I am watching. I some don't of it. There is a it's shot wild. that is just chef's kiss uh, in the worst way with, with Daniel Baldwin driving their open-air Jeep uh, while Cheryl Lee is full fangs out, like yaw- like stretching, getting ready to fight him. She's like, here I go. And he's just sitting there, eyes on the road, completely oblivious, as if the actor himself 
Well, not even know he might not have been paying what too was much coming. Touch. <laughs> might be a little glassy eyed. It's also it's like maybe his best moment as an actor in the movie is when she finally does bite him, and he kind of plays the sense of relief of yeah. like uh, I can stop fighting against. Would, this. would you call that relief? I think he is clearly coming. Well, <laughs> like that's uh, the ultimate. His eyes cross like he is doing a yeah. Saturday Night Live caricature of death? someone having an orgasm. The little death. It's the, the big death. Someone point. just saw the last duel. Le yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> I mean, because the, the, there is a very erotic quality to sure. the way vampirism is presented in this movie. Yeah, um, and you see that in the way that Cheryl Lee is is made to act like she's orgasming. Um, when she is going through that and they go through the sort of like rapey sexualization of how her body is displayed on the bed and then, good, very bad, done um, very bad. And then, uh, yeah, there is the, when she is sucking his blood, right. You know, he's been edging for years. Right. Um, he's finally letting the thing happen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I wandered off the blank check Reddit one day into a whole Reddit about that. And uh, he was posting a lot oh, of his character, Tony Montana, Tony Montoya, Tony Montoya, um, about uh, his cross eyed uh, edging moment where his entire body just like collapses. It's like Akra getting the ghost blowed up. Uh, uh, he also, before he turns towards the end, Baldwin, uh, he takes a machine gun. And just shoots it into the air and screams. Uh -huh. Yes, yes, he yep. does. I felt that. Ben, you are like you that? consulting notes? Oh, but Ben. I wrote down a couple ben, of things. Poet what does he do that for? Well, it's the cool. I was like laughing at that. And then Carpenter, man, he turns that beat on its fucking head and makes it practical. Wait, he no. uses the gun, which uh -huh. is heated up. To solder his wound. Oh, oh, I didn't notice cinema. that. Right, right. Wow. Right. I did like that. That's awesome. I did. It's like awesome. That. I was it's just awesome. there for the like, you know, just emotional it's a moment hat while you shoot yeah. an automatic on top of a hat gun. Um, yeah. Oh, I rules. love that. Yeah. Imagine if I had just another little hat you under try. this. Yeah, it'd be cool. very cool. Yeah. Uh, I had to pee really badly, and uh, rather than pulling an Ehrlich and going on the rug, I'm going to use this as an impetus to play the box office game. This film opened on October 30th, 1998. A Peacocktoberween, I can't even remember. Peacocktober. I'll say Halloween. this too. The Peacocktober selection, I guess by the time this episode comes out, it'll be gone. It'll be Peacock November. It's fucking good. They have like the best selection of horror movies of any of the streaming Peacock's services. Peacock's right got now, stuff. Yeah, it's got good. some stuff, right? That's yeah. cool. And it's the only streaming service that lets me select Dominic Toretto as my avatar. He's mm. also my avatar. Well, and that's why we're friends. Exactly. It's also um, the only streaming service that has like 73 seasons of Below Deck. That's true. That is true. And, and, and everybody loves Raymond remastered. Mm, yeah, exactly. Yeah, also, your avatar should be the boss baby. Number one at the box no, office. Absolutely not, never. Uh, number one at the box office on this weekend was a film called Vampires. <laughs> you scared oh, me. Opening to $9 million. <laughs> uh, back when October was kind of a right. dead time in yeah. Hollywood. Not now when it like, you know. I remember so an Entertainment massive. Weekly article probably right around this time, 98 or 99, about how October had the least, the fewest $100 million grosses mm. of any sure. month. Right. That right. at that point, it was like only three movies have ever opened in October and made $100 million. No. Why can Hollywood not make this month work? Now they make it work, baby. Did Vampires simultaneously open on Screen Gems Plus as well? Yeah, well, right. That, that did cut into its profits, yes. Um, number two at the box office is a film that I truly love. Uh, big fan of this film at the time. I've watched it recently mm -hmm. and it, it had been number one the last weekend. 
it's not maybe as great as I remember it when I was a teenager, but it's good. No, not Rush Hour. That's a film you love. And that is number six at the box office. Wow. It is a How the mighty have fallen. very high very high concept comedy, dramedy, okay. sort of satire, social commentary. It's not Pleasantville. It's not the Truman Show. It which, is. Which? The Truman? What? Pleasantville. Oh, well, yeah, of course. Yeah. Wait, so you don't like it as much now? Is that what you said? I watched it recently okay. in COVID. It yeah. was one of those like movies my wife had never seen. And I yeah. was like, I love it. And I threw it on and I was like, this is still good. And I yeah. like, the technical, like, the technical it, thing incredible. is still so incredible. Yeah. But I was like, it's a it's a little obvious. I, I think I I think sure. I was the it's a mind blower when you're a fucking tween. Yeah, it, it's really the third act. Like the transition into the hokiness of the whole town uh, turning into color and becoming this broad metaphor for race, race relations is pretty. But the clumsy, JT but Walsh the scene is so fucking good. Joan Allen turns into color. Incredible yeah. In it. yeah, Joan Allen. Joan Allen and Oscar both incredible. Toby McGuire was born for. Yes. Toby and Reese are great. Great use oh, of the uh, Jeff Paul. Jeffy Boy. Jeffy Boy is great. great. Paul Walker's great. Paul Walker performance ever, I would say. Mm, He's so funny. He's really good. Uh, Hold on. I'm consulting the record books here, and I see uh, She's All That listed prominently. I would say he's even better in Pleasantville. It's yeah, a very she skillful bet, performance. She was a bat. She was a fucking bat. She, she was, was a, a fucking bat. I'd be curious to rewatch it. I probably haven't seen it in like five years. Yeah, we watch it. It's, yeah. it's good. Yeah. Uh, it's also very long. Yeah. I sort of forgot about that too. I'm like, I watch this on video all the time. Yeah. Anyway, number Joan three. Joan Allen would have been my supporting actress. When She's certainly on my she list was that year. Mega snow. I can probably check the five. Uh, number three is another film I saw in theaters and loved and rewatched recently and was like, this is even better than I remember. Whoa. Whoa. Uh, it's by your namesake. Griffin Dunn. Oh, it's your fucking favorite goddamn It's not movie. my favorite. It's not Addicted to Love, which I do. Oh, love. oh, that's your favorite. It's Practical Magic. It's Practical Magic, which I, it's so mm. good. So we got, we got witches and vampires at the top of the box office. Yes, Spooky we do. Season. Practical Magic, Sandy and Nick, mm-hmm. uh, Eden Quinn, Goran Viznich. Sure. Oh, a VR fame. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, great movie. Holds he up. He has Alec Baldwin worthy Dr. hair. Channing, he could be a Baldwin. Oh, he's a hirsute man. Man, he is hard hair. But that yes. uh, that head of hair is beautiful. Number four, the box office. It's a cartoon starring someone unusual. It's a cartoon. The, unusual for them to be starring in a cartoon. Correct. The actor. Yes. Uh, you know what it is. is. I do. It is the movie Ants. Well written. Ooh. It is well written by our dear friend Chris. Ants Chris. with a dollar sign. Ants with a dollar sign. Ants with, Ants a, with a Z, Z. that's sort of yeah. going like Rrr. Dreams with a Z. And these like Pleasantville uh, Magic Ants. These are just movies I was there opening week. Oh, being absolutely. Like, brilliant. Wait, have, you, <laughs> right. have you asked why it's about he did Ants with a Z and then in American Dreams, it's all about Dreams with a Z. That's did he song. write American Dreams? Uh, Paul, American Paul, Dreams is Paul. Yeah, but he's still got some intel. They are brothers after all. Sure, sure. Dreams with a Z. It is fascinating, though, that, like, Ants was viewed as this big fucking hit, and it's like, oh, it tops out at 80. Like, nothing could get over this 100 hump in October. Joan Allen is also my winner for Pleasantville that year. Laura Linney, Truman Show, Kate Beckinsale did Last Days of Disco, Lisa Kudrow, Opposite of Sex, Rosaria Dawson, He Got Game. Those are yeah, my it's nominees a good five. that It's year. a good five, but Joan Allen's um, kind of undeniable in that movie. Number five of the box office is a sequel in a horror franchise, but it's a little... It's got a new twist on it. Is it a little sideways? Yeah, is it, exactly. Do they go to space? No. Oh. It's not Jason X. Right, that's Jason later. <laughs> but it has a little bit of a... Sort of comical and kind of self-aware. Oh, 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 oh. It's a movie I love that is, of course, called The Bride of Chucky. It's Bride of Chucky. Uh, Bells are ringing. That's number five. You've also got Rush Hour. You've got Soldier with a very grumpy Kurt Russell. Yeah, that's the moment where they're like, they paid him $15 million for, for this? this, and he seems like he hates it. 
Not a bad. And, but movie. he also famously has like eleven lines of dialogue in that movie, right? He which doesn't is, talk much. Uh, and they broke down how much he got paid by word, and it was uh, quite a lot. Yeah. Um, beloved. Yeah. Uh, which we've covered on this podcast. Yeah. Apt Pupil. Uh-oh. Oh. And What Dreams May Come. One of the most depressing movies ever made. Yeah, yeah. but great Werner Herzog cameo. Did that director ever do anything ever again? Like that's... Is that because he's that, the director like a visual effects guy or something? No, I feel like he was some uh, European... It's Vincent dude. Ward. Uh, oh, famous really? New Zealand film director. So Vincent Ward do, directed that? He did. What Dreams Because I was going to say, come. that feels like a real blank check movie, but mm-hmm. we're never going to cover it. No. I mean, that was Robin Williams' post-Goodwill Hunting. I'm going to be a serious actor for a minute. And Cuba's post-Jerry Maguire. It's like big post-Oscar movie for both of them. Uh, and for life, there is more. It wins the visual effects Oscar. After life also, did, also it? came out right. in 1998. Uh, Probably the best film in 1998. Much movie. better film. Great yeah. movie. I just think that's one of those movies that it was like derided. Everyone fucking hated it. It was a big flop. And they were like, yeah, but we got to give it the Oscar for visual effects, right? I mean, the whole thing looked like a, Mon- a Monet painting, yes. at least in like 1998. Yeah. Uh, you know, CGI was capable of. Also, there's a Werner Herzog cameo where he plays like a half-buried like flower or something. Ben, that's another idea for you. Buried Herzog. Buried Herzog. Don't bury him though. We need him. Well, we do need him. Keep the head above. Or give him a straw. Give him a little straw. Yeah. Okay, well, that's the box office game. We did it. David's finishing a piece. Um, Any final thoughts on the movie Vampires? With a Z. I would love to see... Fuck so hard. Yeah, it does. I would love to see more filmmakers just put a possessive spin on the concept of vampires. Uh, why not? John um, Carpenter's got him. Okay. Yeah, try and take him. Couple of few things I wanted to say. Couple of Please. few things. A couple, couple of few, few things. things that I have left here in my notes. There is a moment where uh, James what? says, God damn, three or four times, basically like kind of back to back where it's like almost incredible. And I kept trying to like, find the scene after yeah. watching it later and I was yeah. not able to find it but it's something where like he's just like someone's like well we can't do that god damn and then they say something back to him and he's like god damn it's just over and over and over again mm-hmm. and he's so good at it rule of three it's yeah. kind of amazing how many times James Woods can say god damn in a row and it's still interesting and entertaining a lifetime full of experience <laughs> right yeah, yeah. Uh, that and then I just wanted to say at the end of the movie when they're designing the system with the elevator and how they're gonna drag the vampires out, that was like such a dad moment. And I was like, I have no fucking idea what a winch is. I don't know what they're fucking talking about. It does have it's big so like dad. The like, boys getting together on a Saturday and deciding to like do a project energy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're like 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 laying out this whole thing, and I, I'm just like, this is really weird. Yeah. It's a weird movie. God damn. It's good. You love that. I do love it. It's total trash, but it's, you know, it's good trash. But it's like right. you say, it's high-end trash. Yeah. You, you would praise it now. It's like know, a car hanging over the edge of a cliff and seesawing back and forth mm. right between Carpenter being in control of his craft and the trash that follows. Yes. yes. Sure. Um, it is kind of an inflection yeah. point. But she's only got two movies left after this. It's I, wild. Yeah. I yeah. wonder. I mean, I just can't imagine the award's going to give me much, but go to Mars. I'm excited. Ghost of Mars is a movie I've only seen parts of on cable. I've never actually watched it in full. And I'm excited to watch it because it feels like that's my kind of silliness. Hey, David, what if Mars had ghosts? 
uh, you got my money. You have my attention. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what if Mars had ghosts is good? I'm into that. Good tagline. Good. What's the tagline? What if Mars had ghosts? What's yeah. the actual tagline? All right. But Griff, Griff needs to be. Yeah. I, don't need to I need to be. Ehrlich, thank you for being here. Uh, my pleasure as always. A nice uh, in-person record. Yeah, in the tomb. Uh, I haven't told you guys this yet, but I, I'm not going to be here on the next miniseries, but the miniseries after that, I'm slotting in, slotting myself in. No. No. <laughs> Denied. But you'll be on one soon. Don't worry. Oh, yeah. brutal. There's we'll, one movie. We'll talk to you off my... There's one there movie were, there. Th- things got... Uh, the plans got warped a little bit. Things have been messed around. Oh, they've been... Oh, that's the issue. The, yes. That's, that's sorry. It's issues. a less personal dig. I can it's think. not a personal dig. It's uh, not a Well, personal. always my pleasure to be here. Yeah. For any... For whatever the case may be. Yeah. And... Uh, you'll be back. I, I, if I don't promote... Fighting the uh, war room. Whatever. Fighting in the war room <laughs> with Katie Rich. David uh, Ehrlich, Matt Patches, yeah, yeah, Dave yeah. Gonzalez. There's going to be some real fight in the war room if you fail to plug it. <laughs> there often is. Yeah, um, yeah and you can find me uh, at the playground with, with Asa. Damn right. Chilling. He's the one screaming about stuff. And keys. Daddy's furry arms and yelling about keys. Scratchy arms. Uh, and thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you to Marie Barty for our social media AJ McKeon and Alex Barron for our editing. Leigh Montgomery and the Great American Novel for a theme song. You can listen to their new album, Extremely Loud and Incredibly Online, wherever albums are found. Joe Bone, Pat Reynolds for our artwork. JJ Birch and Nick Lariano for our research. Every time I'm just so worried I'm going to fuck it up. Uh, that, just that run of what's now become 18 names. Yeah, yeah. You're going to get there, though. I'm getting there. I'm, I'm getting less scared every week. Right. Next week, tune in for Ghosts of Mars. Right. Yep. Who John Carpenter's Ghosts of Mars. You'll see. Yep. You'll see. You'll see. And... You got the ghost? You can go to patreon.com slash blank check where Santa Claus is coming to town. We actually got Mars. Oh, shit. R- rarely gives podcast appearances. Right, but right. That's a big get. Santa Claus is coming to town. We're doing... Oh. Tim Allen's Santa Claus trilogy on Patreon. We sure are. It's premium. We couldn't do that on main feed. Now, wait, are we? The costs are too high. You guys have definitely already done, if not an entire episode, then at least an episode long sidebar about the Santa Claus 2. Because much like my watching all four American pies while fighting an exploding gallbladder night, when I was very depressed on Christmas 2020 alone in the pandemic, I watched all three Santa Claus movies in a row waiting for Soul to go up on Disney Plus and then could not stop talking about how weird they are. Elizabeth Mitchell, she was my uh, supporting actress pick that year. She's good in that movie. She is weird. I'm excited to see Elizabeth. Good I love Elizabeth that movie. Um, anyway, yeah, I don't know. That's what the fuck is going on. Uh, go to blankysarah.com for some real nerdy shit. And as always, James Woods has never done cocaine in his life. <laughs>